Today's episode is sponsored by Alone in the Dark. The highly anticipated new reimagination by Pieces Interactive and THQ Nordic. Play as Edward Carnby or Emily Hartwood to explore your environments, fight monsters, solve puzzles, and uncover the true secret of Dorsetto Manor. Our favorite heroes are brought to life by Hollywood stars Jodie Comer of Killing Eve and David Harbour of Stranger Things, who lend not only their voices, but their appearance and their formidable acting skills to the brave protagonists. Experience a deep psychological story that goes beyond the realms of the imaginable, all dreamed up by Mikhail Hedberg, cult horror writer of Soma and Amnesia. The team at Pieces Interactive is supported by monster designer and legendary Guillermo del Toro collaborator Guy Davis, as well as doom jazz legend Jason Conan, who provides his eerie and haunting melodies for the right atmosphere. Alone in the Dark is available March 20th on PS5, Xbox Series XS, and PC. Pre-order your copy now and escape into the dark. Get in, losers. This is the Lady Killers, a feminine rage podcast. I'm Jen. I'm Sammy. I'm Rocco. And I'm May. Our podcast is a tribute to the female-identifying killers in horror and more. Each episode will feature us, your Supreme Court of female murderers, discussing our favorite lady killers, from your Julias and Jennifers to your Carries and Christines. We'll tell her story, decide if it's good for her horror, and answer the most important question of all. Would we die for her? Join us on Thursdays as we pull on our sweaters, snatch our ice picks, sharpen our scissors, and honor the lady killers who live on the silver screen. No boys were harmed in the making of this podcast. Yet. (laughs) (laughs) Greetings and salutations. You've successfully arrived at the bloody, disgusting network. The passage of time will now bring you to something strange, unique, and idiosyncratic. Have a good time. Greetings, constant listeners. It's Jen to the Rage Adams. I know we were supposed to be talking about Stephen King's influence through television today, but scheduling issues prevented us from hitting the mic in time. And hey, it happens. So, in lieu of that episode, we are unlocking a fairly new one from the Dairy Private Library. It's from last month, and it's our first bracket game where we rank all the writers in King's Dominion. Of course, if you enjoy an episode like this, you can get even more of them by joining our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash thebarons. There, you can find hours and hours of exclusive content we haven't unlocked, from commentaries for all your favorite Stephen King films to our in-depth archival series that goes deep into King's uncollected works to a whole Dark Tower spinoff series. This week, we just dropped a new Lobstrosities episode on You Can't Kill Stephen King. It's always a surprise in the Barrens, so join to unlock adventures for miles. For now, though, sit back and enjoy this chat, and we'll be seeing you with fresh new content next week. Until then, long days and pleasant nights. My friendship to all of you precludes.
any one of you But if you wanna make love Then I do too And I'll be right there behind you Constant listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Losers Club. I'm your host, Gen 2, the Rage Adams, and we have a mad, mad episode in store for you today. This month, we are covering Blaze, also known as the last Bachman book. And so, in honor of King's esteemed pseudonym, we thought it would be fun to discuss King's other fictional writers, the ones that appear in his fiction. And I am crossing all of my fingers and crossing all of my toes because we're trying something new. Instead of compiling a list and employing our Gerberlytics, we are going to try a March Madness style bracket and have these writers duke it out until only one remains. And if it all falls apart, I've just been hearing Malibu Stacy say, math is hard in my head <laughs> all day. <laughs> But we're going to figure it out. It's going to be fine. We're going to talk about some writers and we'll end up with one. So, but thankfully, I am not alone. I have three delightful losers to join me and help me keep this thing on the rails from the great city of Chicago, where I believe there are writers. Mike, <laughs> say hello. Who is your favorite writer who isn't Stephen King or Richard Bachman? Hey, this is Michael Monroeville Mall Rothman, and uh, fresh <laughs> off of another mall uh, here in oh, Chicago, yeah. <laughs> the Water Tower place, where I was reading my favorite writer. Uh, his name is uh, James Kahn, not oh, no relation to the late James Kahn from my from Misery or my favorite film Thief, um, but he he's the esteemed writer. Uh, who wrote Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom novelization uh, for uh, Bantam Books back in 1984 when I was born. You know, when I'm not reading King, I like to cut my teeth with a little bit of con. Uh, So, um, you know, what can I say? No, I, I, you know, in terms of writers that are in Chicago, I I actually can't think of, I'm going to like just kick myself because I I literally went to grad school for writing here in Chicago and just off the top of my head right now, can't think of any Chicago writers. I couldn't either. I was trying to like uh, Studs Terkel. So, wasn't Saul Bellow? Suds Terkel. Uh, was he Chicago? Saul Bellow? S- Philip Roth was in Chicago. Yeah, th- Philip Roth uh, well, is he's right. He's from New Jersey yeah. and then went back to New York, but he was in Chicago for a while. He got his master's there. And then Irving Welsh lives he does, here yeah, now, or too, he, right? At least did a few years ago. Okay. Um, well, I'll I'll go with someone that I said Monroe Mall, mm-hmm. right? Well, I'm going to go to Pittsburgh with my boy, Michael Shabon. Nice. So uh, love Michael Shabon. Um, great writer. Uh, Wonder Boys. Actually, my favorite. I, I um, Hot take for me. Couldn't get exactly into Cavalier. I agree with that. I I don't dislike Cavalier and Clay, but it was more of a slog than Wonder Boys just clips along and um, is weirdly more relatable, even though I was a young kid who liked comic books when I read Cavalier and Clay. But yeah, Wonder Boys hit me more. Hmm. Definitely. definitely. Well, our own Wonder Boy, you just heard his voice and he is coming to (laughs) us from Brooklyn, which I think, is that where Holden Caulfield lives? He's in, he's in a book. Mm. I can't remember. I, I don't like that book. But anyways, Dan, say hello and tell us who your favorite non-King writer is. Uh, this is Dan Catcher in the Rye, Caffrey. Uh, <laughs> nice. J.D. Salinger is not my favorite writer. I'm not a big fan of that book. Well, I don't know. I I'm liked it either. when I was younger. I feel like I probably wouldn't like it if I reread it, but maybe that's not fair because I haven't reread it since then. But my mm. favorite non-King writer um, is Cormac McCarthy. So I should be Dan. Mm. Oh, yeah. So this is Dan Cormac McCaffrey. <laughs> ah, <laughs> okay. nice. I like that. Um, yeah. 
Ooh, I li- that's like that's a perfect. That should just be your forever nickname now, even though it has nothing to do with Stephen real, King. Real cool. Well, I mean, Dracula. Has, yeah, you know, that's only say that's for the bit. fall, right? No, it's funny mm. because there's a there's a Cormac McCarthy podcast. <laughs> my summer name is my Cormac summer name McCaffrey. is Dan Dracula Caffrey. Uh, no, there's a um, there's a Cormac McCarthy podcast. It's it's kind of like our podcast, but for Cormac McCarthy. I don't think it it's super popular by any means. I mean, that's a knock. I think it's just more academic and shared. It the guy who runs it is um he actually got his master's at Florida State. Had some of the same teachers Mike and I did, but he um he I think he's at uh-huh. University of South Carolina or Charleston now. Anyway, he runs it, and it's all these like there's like Cormac McCarthy seminars every year. It's like all these people from that that world who like just study Jesus. McCarthy. And I want to be on it so bad to the point where I've emailed him like three times and just being like, hey, I'm on. I'm on like one of the top 1% stream podcasts on Spotify. We talk Stephen King and ju- and I, I've like mm-hmm. written out long emails to show how much I know about Cormac McCarthy and how I'd be really good. He probably thinks I'm a goddamn psycho at this point, but like <laughs> I, I know this is like, I hate thinking like this, but I think in my head at first I was like, well, tons of people listen to our podcast. He'll want me on like, yeah, he would love to have me on. Right. And I've never heard an email back from him. So Hey, if yeah. you're listening out there, uh, hey, uh, hey, I'm, I'm the the offer still stands. I would love to come and talk <laughs> hey, Cormac McCarthy. Constant listeners tag him on. Uh, no, on, no, no. On, uh, on, what's his name? Uh, yeah. Socials to be like get Dan on. Get Dan on the pod. Yeah, Scott. Something. Yeah. Ha- hashtag get Caffrey. Just to be that being oh, yes. said, it's you know, it's a great. Uh-huh. We do have a couple. Of it's bands. a great podcast, and I and a lot more. Um, I would not that we're not eloquent, but. I feel like he either has it all planned out beforehand or the people he has are just so academic. They're very, it's very clean and very deep diving. And anyway, I love Cormac McCarthy. Um, Mm. I reread all this stuff right when Boone was born, which uh, it was weird to be reading a book like Outer Dark in the hospital while Boone was born. If you, if you know that book, then (laughs) you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, that's my big did you read his his yeah. latest one where it's like isn't there just like a, a one well, so there's yeah Stella, the there's Stella Maris and then the passenger and so the passenger is about this um without spoiling too much it's about this guy who's a salvage diver and they find this plane that has these bodies in it and it's not really about that that just is kind of kind of like no country that's like the lead into what the book's about and you yeah. find out this guy has a sister who's passed away that he was in love with um I don't that doesn't spoil too much that's in the very beginning and then to so the second book is just her stay in this mental institution. It's just a conversation with her and her psychiatrist. Um, I love them both. Ooh. I thought they're they're, Jesus. they're kind of alienating books because Cormac McCarthy has been um, in residence at the Santa Fe Institute for the past, I don't know, 15 years. So he's gotten really into science and more, kind of more into ideas than characters, if that makes sense. So the book very much mm-hmm. feels like these characters are just vehicles for all his you know, strange ideas about wildlife and commerce and the internet and all this stuff. But I like that. I kind of feel like it's like, if you've come this far with him and he wrote these books when he was 90. So that's kind of amazing to me that he's wow. cranked out these very avant-garde novels at this age. Um, so I, I, I was a huge fan of both of them. Look, Scott, if you're listening, man, have me on, I'll talk about him. I'll, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. you can talk about King's only- relation to McCarthy. If there is one. So anyway, that would be interesting. I've the only one I've read time. is the road, oh, which great. I read in like a day. Oh, it's so but good. Then, yeah. And I think like what gets me is the punctuation. Just it's yeah. hard for me to. But like I listen to audiobooks now. Like I really don't read fiction anymore. Like with my eyes. So I don't punctuation know, wouldn't bother me. You know. I I don't know who's done his audiobooks, but I'm sure he's got some heavy hitters. I bet I bet if, yeah. if the punctuation is an issue because he barely uses it. Um, mm-hmm. I bet that would be a good alternative. He's he probably has like. Uh, 
I don't know who, who's who's like he's got like Sam Elliott or someone <laughs> narrating his. Oh, that would be a good match. Yeah. Well, um, so yeah. yeah. Anyway, I've t- I feel like I've talked like ten minutes about Corin McCarthy. Now I'm sorry. Like, don't get me going. I love it. <laughs> hey, I mean, well, I asked. It's not the only writer <laughs> yeah, though. True. You know, it's it's yeah, on you know, theme, exactly. I guess, I said, but, but he's great. Mm-hmm. Love it. Well, and we have one more loser joining us, friend of the pod and special guest from L.A., Julia. Welcome back to the pod. And who is your favorite non-King writer? Hello, I am Julia, the dork half Marquesi. Very good. And uh, if erratic (laughs) punctuation bothers you, then one of my favorite writers is just up your alley. Uh, Jack Kerouac is one Mm. of my very Uh. favorite authors. Uh, so I'm a big Kerouac fan. I'll give you a trifecta that will give you a taste of my range. Mm-hmm. We got uh, Jack Kerouac. Then you got Brett Easton Ellis. Mm-hmm. Uh, love and, Ellis. And then, love uh, Ellis. Ja- Jacqueline Suzanne, who did Valley of the Dolls. Mm-hmm. And, yes, um, I love that book. Her whole. Those are those are top uh, of my three. One of my. I mean, King's number yeah. one, obviously, but yeah. below. Ellis has got to be like three for me. Yeah, he's one of my favorites. Mm. Yeah, Sam, Sam. Yeah, And so much of his stuff feel, takes place in LA. So I feel like it feels yeah. very, I mean, I know he does East Coast stuff too, but like, it feels, a lot of his stuff feels LA to me with mm. like the dissect, like the disaffected youth who are really beautiful and rich and they have everything and they're so bored of it mm-hmm. and like that whole thing. We need to do an Ellis pod. Ooh, I mean, I've been, yeah. I was thinking about that reading the shards because oh, like, I'm, so good. I'm, I had to put down the shards just because I, I got into... Um, Indiana Jones you know, family stuff started happening and then Indiana Jones part started happening and so I put it down but god damn it that book is fucking good and I've just been I was loving it I was devouring it have, Julia have you read his latest yet, I haven't or? yet no it, it's so good it's it's such a good back to basics but it's also like a culmination of like what he did leading up to that, like Lunar Park and Imperial Bedrooms and um I mean, I haven't. It's, oh Captain, yeah, you, it's, you read it all. I know Justin. It, it, you, I mean, I yeah. I really liked Lunar Park, but I mean, Shards might be his best since like American Psycho. I I think it's the most successful meta experiment that he's done, and I really liked Lunar Park. But this to me, I felt like he knew he was in such control of himself with this book, and it was the um, I feel like it was the most that he really lets us into a protagonist's life. Like it's the warmest uh, Ellis book, which sounds funny because of all the horrible shit that happens in it. But it's he, dark, he, yeah. I would say it's the most vulnerable protagonist he's ever written. I think because it's, he's drawing, this seems to be the one where he's drawing the most from his own life. Not that he had, I don't think he survived a uh, serial killer or anything like that in high school, but I, I I get the idea that that probably was what school was like for him. And he, I'm sure he's drawing from real people, but yeah, it's excellent. Yeah. Well, and I, I don't know. I read so much King and I reread King a lot that I had a hard time like thinking about, who my favorite author is, but I've been reading a lot of Shirley Jackson recently and I'm very into mm. her. I just read Hangs and Men, which is really good. And it was actually um, our guest, Laramie, who talked to Randall, recommended it. And I was like, oh, this is really good. So, and I also read her autobiography, which is really cool. But you know what I'm thinking too is like, if you look at the body of work of all of the writers that we just talked about and then look at King's body of work, like we might have more writer characters than most of these authors have actual novels you know and that just yeah. it just blows me away like how much he has published you know yeah it's it's kind of it's uh i mean whenever anyone asks like oh you know what do you do and you know i i, I give the boring answer and then i say well you know i also host a podcast and you know oh stephen king i've dedicated my last <laughs> six years to to every week and we're still only in like the I know, aughts. like and and granted, we've like definitely you know stalled here and there and taken one month off, much to the chagrin of <laughs> listeners and stuff. But I feel like it's telling that you know we've pretty much tried to cover everything as much as we can and to the depth that we should. And 
the fact that we're only still in like 2000, we just reached like 2007, I think with Blaze, mm-hmm. like that's pretty astounding. I think so too. Um, yeah. You know, and it's just, I just can't think, I mean, it's just, I always just think of the 1408 example of like, that was a prompt and it was like, it became his scariest story. And then arguably one of the biggest blockbusters in his career, yeah. like that. And that was just a prompt that he gave to himself. And that says everything to me about King itself. It just like King himself, just the, just how, I don't know, prolific it is. It's like the, um, I think I mentioned this in one of the recent episodes that we were talking about this, like in Goodwill Hunting, when Mini Driver asks, uh, m- you know, will like, wh- how do you do what you mm-hmm. do? And he's just basically like, um, you know, I just, I just, he talks about Beethoven and how Beethoven just knew how to play. Like he didn't, you know, he just had that in his yeah. blood. And I think King is certainly one of those. Like, it's just like, it's just in his blood. Like he, it, it, and obviously it's an, it's, it's some sort of an addiction for him because he just, he, he has to mm-hmm. keep doing it. Um, but the fact that he's, you know, hit so many grand slams and so many home runs and so many RBIs is pretty incredible it's a testament to just the body of work and like yeah just looking at all the writers that you collected here i was just like fuck i didn't think it was this many and i'm people. sure i've like, forgotten I it was like 10 people. like I, I and yeah. so listeners just before you hear the rundown of who all we've got if there's somebody i forgot um just let me know but kindly because i really did i was trying to think mm. and there are a couple of people that we took out of the tournament that i will explain when we get there um but yeah, so let's let's dive into this thing. So I full disclosure, I cheered for basketball in middle school, and I think that was the last time I watched a full basketball game. So I understand oh, wow. the sport. Right. I think I'm pretty sure I understand how this whole thing works, and Corey helped me with some of the details. Um, <laughs> thanks, Corey. So here's what we're going to do. I have created a bracket with 20 writer characters from King's Canon. I have divided them into two divisions, the Banger Division and the Boulder Division, so roughly east and west, and I'm fudging a little bit here because, you know, most of his writers, you know, I don't, I don't know if he's ever actually written about Banger in a story. I mean, he's written as, like, coded Banger in Dairy but I don't know if he's ever actually mentioned that. I'd have to dig back in. Well, they, I think they're like offhand references, well, right? Well, they're flying out of the Bangor International Airport in Langoliers or flying into oh, it, Oh, right? you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. I don't, but I don't know if it's, it's, I don't think it's been like a central setting, right? Like a, I don't yeah. Think like so they, either. I mean, aside from the fact that it essentially is dairy, you know. It's kind of like in uh, Superman or Batman, where I'm pretty sure New York City still exists in these worlds, mm-hmm. but it's like, but so does Gotham City and Metropolis, and yet both of those cities take from those cities as well, like same <laughs> yeah. with Chicago. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just like, yeah, these cities exist, even though these two major ones where the principal stories take place are. It's all like in that movie yeah. uh, Antitrust, yeah. where Tim Robbins is clearly playing a Bill Gates stand-in, and it's the one of the I hate that fucking movie, but it's one of the worst jokes because yeah. I remember it was in the trailer. And he's touring all his like digital paintings, and all this stuff. And they're like, wow, you're like Bill Gates. And he goes, Bill who? And I'm like, but wait, you're <laughs> uh. like, no, because you're, you're already referencing Bill Gates by your existence. Like it, it just, it didn't work mm-hmm. anyway. That, that yeah. yeah. Is that Ryan? Philippe yeah. I think uh, Rachel Lee Cook, uh, Everclear yeah. on the soundtrack. I, I won a, uh, oh, nice. won an Everclear See, CD. You're talking about King's Dominion. <laughs> Cormac McCarthy and Everclear, everything <laughs> yeah. in between. Exactly. I yeah. Want, that, um, hey, that's the Losers Club, baby. That's what you get. Listen, <laughs> you know, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. They've pretty had much. that, that uh, film adaptation of Blood Meridian and Development Hell for years. They need to do it. But set it to just Everclear songs. <laughs> so Ooh. Like, you know, scalping people to like um, Father of Mine. 
hold my eyes. <laughs> yeah, that's my head. As McCarthy envisioned. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. why I didn't do the punctuation. He's like, Everclear will find the periods for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like premiering at it's premiering at like the Ken Film Festival, and then it's just like everyone's just like knowing that like Cormac is there. And, uh, you know, they're all watching. I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to like it. And then, like, it, the credits roll is, uh, you know, like, um, this song from Scream 2 by Everclear is playing. <laughs> uh-huh. And then, like, he stands up and he's just like. Mm-hmm. He does the Rudy the class. The Citizen Kane. <laughs> slow- yeah. <laughs> yeah. They show, like, in slow motion, the, the judge and his men are, like, riding to go fight bloody battle with the Comanches and it's in slow motion and then and then it like they're about to hit and then it zooms into fast motion it's like this is a song about Susan <laughs> just, like, bloody scalping happening the whole time yeah. hey, uh, I would watch good that stuff. that sounds awesome oh, um, alright so you you got all banger and banger bold, and boulder <laughs> yeah so speaking of bloody battles and scalping and match offs so what we're gonna do is we're gonna have each I've paired all of these writers up and we are going to have a sweet 16 we're gonna they're gonna battle it out and then the winners are gonna move on to the next round I'm gonna deal with all of the logistics of it so Y'all shouldn't just be along for the ride and make your choices and it'll be fun and great. Um, Here are the criteria that we can use for picking our winners. Um, Do we like the book or story they appear in? Will we care to read anything they've written? Do we think they're strong characters? How much of an avatar for King himself do they serve as? Are they played by Alexander Skarsgård or anyone else we find dreamy and just vibes? Like, no, cool. everything goes, like, just we'll just pick our winners and, and feel free to make arguments for your chosen champion. And I've got a lucky fifth quarter here with me if we have any ties. And so I kind of wrote the King Writer Rumble. I don't know if that works, but I'm going to I'm going to go with it. We're going to make it happen. But before we begin, I want to give a couple of shout outs. So I told you there were a couple of people that I took out of the tournament because we don't want to spoil anything. And there are a couple of writers, most of the writers like we were trying to figure it out. I don't think there are a ton of writers past where we are in the chronology, but there are just a couple. We don't want to spoil their books, but we also didn't want to ignore them. So we've got Gwendy Peterson who is a writer of cozy novels in her spare time when she's not like, you know, in the Senate or going to space, which is, she's pretty accomplished. So any thoughts on Gwendy? Oh, I love, uh, I I love, love, we we do have those, I guess they're not official book episodes. We have like the kind of one-offs we did when those came out. We talked a lot about Gwendy, but um, Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of her. I think this, I think of the King writers, that's the biggest journey and scope we see i think which i really like and i don't want to i won't spoil anything we but you see gwendy go through a lot both in age and experience and everything so yeah Uh, julia what were you gonna say i just think i would i love her as well but i feel like i would be more interested to to have streamlined her to just be a writer Mm -hmm. like i feel like (laughs) making her these like incredible leaps and you know which is you we we know that why she's getting to be so successful like i get it but yeah I think it, it would have been interesting to see what she would have, how he would have worked that as she was so successful so soon. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, it's just going to keep going and how that would work. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll say like, I was not really excited to read those books. I don't know. Something about them just seemed like slight. And I was really surprised by how much I enjoyed them, especially the last one. Like when I heard that space was a factor, I was like, this is going to be stupid. And I really loved it. So yeah, if you're, same. if you've been on the fence, check it out. Cause I like her a lot. And you know, down the road, once we finish or once we get a little closer, we may have to revisit this, this King Rider rumble and see if a new champion emerges. Um, and then we also have Drew Larson, 
who is a writer in Rat, which is the fourth novella in If It Bleeds. I don't remember a ton about this character, so I looked up a synopsis of the story. No spoilers. Um, but he's also vaguely connected in my mind with Ben Stiller. Uh, and, Same. And I think Same. he was like going to adapt yeah. the story or something. Um, I really liked that novella a lot, though. Um, it's real quirky and kind of dark. Um, okay, so... The story centers on a writer named Drew Larson with an acclaimed short story to his credit. He's given himself over to academia because every time he turns to a good idea into a novel, things go seriously bad, mentally, physically, or both. But his latest concept, a Western thriller, is gangbusters. And uh, thanks, Wikipedia, for this interesting summary. And he goes out to an old old family cabin in the woods to get the novel done and encounters a devilish rat who can talk and offers him a bargain. So... Any thoughts on Drew before we move on? I I like this one a lot just because it felt like he was revisiting, you know, Secret Window mm-hmm. a little bit and and kind of fine tuning it and making it better because I you know I wasn't a huge fan of Secret Window, neither the the movie nor the uh, the yeah. novella and Four Past Midnight. Same. Um, and so for me, it was it was kind of like, all right, this is you're doing this right, and I love the humor in it. I think that uh, it it was right at the beginning of the pandemic when we read that and it felt very kind of forecasting where we were going to be for the next few months of just like, kind of like him, kind of like drew in this cabin alone talking to a rat. Uh, But in this case, it was just kind of our inner thoughts and just how we, those manifest in certain things. And um, so I, I don't know. I, I I think it was a really fun story, Mm -hmm. but you know, it's, it's a short story writer, right? You know, it's a writer that appears in a short yeah. story. So it's it's hard to like really kind of weigh and grasp what he's doing when it's really just kind of a, a faculty of his, right? right? It's just like, all right, this is something he does and this is where he is in the story. And even with him, I mean, obviously a lot of that's, that short story deals with the idea of, um, you know, sort of having like the writer's block and um, and kind of dealing with the inner, inner monologues in your head and how that translates into the work and stuff. But um it just feels unfair to kind of consider him, right? Because there's just not much we yeah. get. It's like very, it's very thin. And there are a couple, a spoiler of how I've paired some of these up for very similar reasons too. He's also really only published one story. And so he's, I don't know, he was just hard to really put into a category. But I did really like that novella. So I wanted to mention him. Another one that's a little hard to put in a category is our good friend, Harold Lauder. Um, I just wanted to Mm -hmm. mention him, typewriter enthusiast, writer of ledgers. I like to think he would one day have published a memoir called Don't Dream It's Over if he hadn't got all balmy and bolder. And we've already spilled a lot of mic time about Harold, but anything we want to say about him as a writer, other than that he uses the second person, I remember that. I mean, he's not very good, and he's not supposed to be good, right? I mean, it's very right, self-indulgent. Yeah. I I hate to say this, especially given recent mm-hmm. events, but it almost does read like, you know, what you the diary of like a, of a of a mass shooter or something like yeah. that. Which yeah, the, there's a right, which yeah, supposed to yeah, right? yeah. like it's got big incel vibes you totally, know? and it's not. Um, but it is one of those things. Like, okay, he has intelligence, he has talent. And the book very makes it very clear that had he not gone down the path he does, he could have gone. I mean, maybe he could have become a great writer. But um, yeah, yeah, I think I think his rank's supposed to be overly flowery and indulgent too, right? Because even Franny's dad mm-hmm. makes fun of it. Um, yeah, yeah. So how do you, as a good writer, write badly? Mm-hmm. Right. It's always mm-hmm. like the same question. When you're a really good actor, how do you act badly? Like, how do you tone it down so you're not good? Right. You, exactly. And that's what I think is do you so think, genius about Stephen King. You know, I mean, is King, I, I'm sure we talk about this on the stand episodes. 
I want to say maybe King was drawing from some of his own. I mean, I, I don't think he was an outcast in the way that Harold was, but he, you know, he grew up poor. He definitely, I think has felt like an outsider at times. Mm-hmm. From what I remember, isn't isn't he drawing on some of his own rejections and things like that? He was feeling Mike, right? Yes, yeah. even with the spike yeah. and all mm-hmm. too. Um, and and I think that there's there's something he sees in Harold is like, I mean, something that he explores in a lot of his works. I mean, specifically the dark half is that he maybe this is his dark half, like this is his other life. Mm-hmm. Like you know, King's so fascinated with the what if of it all. Um, and this is like one of a question. I was, there's a few questions I have in my head that I, that I've talked to Randall about like over drinks and just been like, fuck, why didn't we ask that question last Mm. year? But one of them that that's at the top of my list is really talking about the what if of it all. Mm -hmm. And some, the, the, the occurrence of Owl Creek bridge always comes to mind when I think about this is that I think, and especially reading like on writing and, uh, a couple of pieces before that and some essays that we've been reading for the archives apps there is something in him of not just like, it's almost like imposter syndrome has evolved into this. Um, you know, I'm going to lose this at any moment. Mm-hmm. Like, this is too good. Like, how am I here? How am I doing this? How am I the Jordan of fiction? And it could be, I feel like he's almost worried that like, you know, he'll wake up one day and it's, it's going to be back in like the 1974 or 1973 and he didn't write Carrie and all this other stuff mm-hmm. or, and he, and he's, he's said explicitly that much and like on writing before, like, you know, he has that fear. And, and I wonder if like Harold was one of the earlier seeds of that, yeah. um, mm-hmm. you know, and like, maybe that's something that, that came from that, that sort of, um, bitterness and it's sad. I mean, because I think the most, for the most part, I mean, not to generalize, but let me generalize. <laughs> I think most writers, and I saw him. I was this. I was Harold in 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 freshman year. You know, when I was still wanted to be mm-hmm. a writer, it was just like this bitter person that felt like, you know, oh, if I couldn't write about genre, then I'm fucking. There's no point of doing it. And, um, you know, I know I can write a good genre story and like the truth is probably I couldn't. And so, you know, I should have just admitted to that, you know, before that. And like, as, as opposed to just being bitter about it. And, you know, fortunately I moved on from that, but you know, some people mm-hmm. don't, and I still, you know, you know, I still reconnect sometimes with folks that I'd, I've come in past to in, in, in years and they'll just be like, yeah, you know, I'm still trying to do it, but it's, you know, how this fucking industry is. And I'm just like, all yeah. right, well, see you saying the same thing 10 years right now. yeah <laughs> it's like all right that's just some people don't get don't get out of that yeah. wheel well so. and it's hard to accept criticism um, on your writing too especially when you put so much of your heart and soul in it and i remember my middle school teacher yeah. used to say like if you smell fish wherever you go maybe it's you you know like if everybody's mm-hmm. yeah. not vibing with your writing maybe maybe you should take some of that um constructive yeah. criticism um but yeah harold it's you know i've got a soft spot in my heart for him but my feelings on him have definitely changed a little bit over the years. Um, and so he's not on our list, but also wanted to mention him. And there's one more I wanted to mention. That old racist writer who jizzes on the sheets from dedication. Oh, we're not doing him? Technically a writer. No, I take him out uh. because, you know, I just, who's who's he going to beat, you know? Like, I mean, who's he I, get, I mean, other than himself. I, I you know, I know we're, I know hey. we're doing this live, but uh, <laughs> I... Not a good story, not a good character, but I mm. do remember him more than I remember a couple of these people. So <laughs> I, I feel like there's a slight chance he may have, at least in that first bracket, beat out. Uh, he may have edged a, out somebody. Yeah. Um, yeah he's probably into that edging. Yeah, he mm-hmm. into getting beat I'm out. I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, the dirty minds. I think he would approve, though. He seems kind of like. Yeah, and he wouldn't make it far, though. That Let's let's be real. Like, nah. He would have maybe beat, beat a couple nobodies, but then um, I don't think he would have gotten past round two probably 
come and go real quick. Sorry. That's the wow. last, last, that's the last joke nice. I'm gonna make. Nice. Right. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that a isn't that a gas station come and go? With a K. Oh, yeah, right? Ew, that they makes knew what it they're worse. Doing, they absolutely knew what they're doing. It's not K-O-M-E. Wow. Yeah. It, it's got <laughs> like a 70s style font too. It's like that lyric. Um it's almost like Star Wars font, I feel like. You know, uh, there was um gross. anyway. Gross. When I was in South Africa, yeah, it's pretty gross. I recently my wife's from there. I'm sure this means something not dirty at all, but there was a Christian bookstore that was called Come Books. It was C-U-M Books. I'm sure it was like a name or an Afrikaans or something maybe means something else, but I, I, mm-hmm. I, I she was like taking pictures of it like an asshole just because I thought it was like oh, so God. funny. I was like, oh, Come <laughs> that Books. That is hilarious. And it was a Christian bookstore, but it, Susan was like, stop. But uh, yeah, that's that's what I was thinking <laughs> of. I'm a, I'm a sucker for a good business named after uh, Male Ejaculate. What, what can I say? I mean, aren't we all? Yeah. You know, we're, we're only human. <laughs> yeah. So, um, all right. Well, let's get this tournament started. And so I've been hearing the final countdown in my head. I'm seeing Job on a stage with the, Job. the uh, scarf over his face. Um, okay. So we've got three play-in matchups, which Corey explained to me. I'm still not totally sure how they stack up, but it's going to be fine. Okay, so we're going we, to... It's funny because the the two people that are so dedicated <laughs> to Marsh Madness, which are like Justin and uh, Flieger, especially Flieger, mm-hmm. like they... they uh, I, I tried to get Flieger oh, in. Yeah? Um, couldn't do it, but um, it's funny because like they, they're like probably pref- so pros at like the March Madness bracket thing, but I've, I've only done it once and I lost in like, I did too. Yeah. So. I was, I, um, my bracket got busted pretty early. Um, because I just really kind of picked names that I liked or like, Hey, I like those colors. Yeah. Um, all right. So our, our <laughs> first play in match is from the banger division. We've got two short st- or two writers from short stories. We have Richard Cannell from the road virus heads North. And he is squaring off against John Dykstra slash Rick Harden from Rest Stop. So Richard Cannell, in one of my favorite short stories, author of horror fiction, including the novels Nightmare City and The Departing, he buys a painting called The Road Virus Heads North. It starts to come alive and uh, awful things happen. So pros in his column, he supports local artists. He's kind to his aunt. He's played by, I, I don't think I've seen this, but he's played by Tom Berenger in the TNT miniseries. He is. Yeah, of Major League. Uh, that's what I was like. He's like his knees are a little, not yeah. doing it anymore, but he's still hot. Yeah. He's, yeah. This one, I I like Richard mm-hmm. Cannell, um, and, and I it, it's kind of like what you were saying earlier with um, you know the the association of actors and all. Is that like because it's Behringer? I think I like him a little yeah. bit more, and he's more memorable. Yeah. Um, this is a fun story. I mean, we covered this last year. It's uh, everything's eventual, yeah, everything's right? eventual. Like, yeah, that, super fun. Which I think I get yeah. like five noses. I love that. Oh book. yeah, that's great mm-hmm. fucking collection. Just an act, just a grand slam yeah. collection. But um. Yeah, I, I don't know. I he's a uh, he's he's got some solid uh, he's got he's got some solid guns there. But I I don't feel like we get to know too much about yeah. him. Again, it's kind of like the you know the aforementioned writers we just mentioned a little bit more. But um, I mean, I like the Departed. I do too. So I was thinking that too. Like Departing. Yeah. See? You know, may, you know, maybe a Nightmare City sounds fun. I like. Um, uh, what is it? Sand um, City. I think it's called Murder ah. City. It's it's like a song by Green Day. Um, is it called Murder City? I, I can't remember what it is. I gotta look Do it up in a second. Um, <laughs> That's all I know. But yeah, I, I, I so far I'm, I'm 
I'm leaning on him based on the, the You're two on that the canal train. Here, so. Well, and he is squaring mm-hmm. off against um, a, kind of a soft George Stark versus that or Thad Beaumont kind of character. John Dykstra, I believe rest stop. You guys might have to help me. I believe it's in Just After Sunset. Yes, I think that's yeah. the short story, which we technically have not covered, so I'm not going to spoil it. He's a professor of American literature in Sarasota. Um, at the Sarasota campus of Florida State University. He has a successful mm-hmm. career under the pseudonym of Rick Harden, writing about a hitman named The Dog, which sounds interesting. And as he is driving home from a speaking engagement, he encounters a man beating his pregnant wife at a rest stop. He's initially afraid to intervene, but channels his tough pseudonym and steps in to save the day. And Julia, you and I were talking about rest stop a little bit before we started recording. Do you have any thoughts about... Uh, John Dykstra slash Richard Harden. I'm sorry, Rick Harden and how he stacks up against Richard Cannell. Too many Ricks. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just, uh, since this was all uh, begotten from a pseudonym, I feel like the pseudonym is the way to go. Yeah. I feel like, I, I mean, neither one of them, we don't really delve too deeply into their writing, so it's kind of hard to tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the idea of having a, a macho uh, character that you are able to embody and like this gives you the courage to step into what you need to do to help mm-hmm. that's kind of noble yeah in a in a psycho stephen king way right that's true yeah i agree yeah. dan what about you yeah you I've, I've got to go road virus i mean it, i i think because I'm, I'm going off your criteria and i just remember more about that story than i do just mm-hmm. after the one from just after sunset and granted i've reread everything's eventual much more recently than just after sunset but uh, yeah, from what I remember, it, it is kind of dark half light, the second one. And honestly, we've seen mm-hmm. even seen some of that with Secret Window prior to this. So I just feel like it's retreading old territory. Whereas Road Virus, I mean, it's not my not my absolute favorite Stephen King story, but it's pretty creepy. It's just a, kind of a good spooky-ooky caper, you know? So yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to go with uh, with Richard Cannell. With Richard Cannell. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Cannell too. Although I will say, you know, Dykstra is, certainly is the more... Um, hero of yes. the two. I mean, because like really, Canel is just buying some piece of artwork and gets everyone killed with it. True, exactly. So it's kind of a schmuck. Yeah. Um, but, you know, John's actually trying to do something, you know. Um, but, you know, so he's going to, in this case, the tough pseudonym actually serves a, a sort of purpose mm-hmm. here. Um, but I got to say, um, shares a name with uh, the, the the great Lenny Dykstra and I'm not a huge Mets mm. fan, uh, and I don't like the Phillies, so uh, I'm gonna have to go. <laughs> You're gonna no, go no zone here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, Canel for me. Yeah, I'm heading nice. north with 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 a uh, with old. I think bitch. I'm gonna hop in his car and head north as well because I just love that story. That probably is one of my top ten favorite Stephen King short stories. Um, I'd probably. It's, it's, it's real good. It's, it's real creepy. It leaves yeah. you on a really like dark edge, you know. Um, I do like rest stop quite a bit, though. Um, see, this is when I'm going to have to start picking people and I'm going to feel bad for the people I don't pick. Um, OK, so I'm going to officially. They're going to haunt you. I know. Tonight. It's going it, to like ah. <laughs> just the pages are just going to keep, you know, crumbling into a human being or right. something. Like no, that, but I know? do. I do um, agree. I feel like the. The Road Virus Heads North is a better story. I think so, too. Yeah. yeah. Although rest and stop a is a cooler story. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, what I what, what I like about the, the 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 road virus though too is that like, and I think we talk about this on everything, um, the everything episodes is that it reminds me of when I think I likened it maybe I probably didn't but I'm doing it now. Uh, like when Springsteen made Magic in 2007, you're like, oh man, you could still make an old hit. 
Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what King did here. Like this, this reads like it should have been in like Night it Shift does, Skeleton yeah. Crew. And it's coming after a run where I didn't, I was kind of worried that we weren't going to get those mm-hmm. anymore. And this is just a simple Cracker Jack, awesome horror yeah. story. And it's perfect for like, like you could see this in Creepshow. Yep. I mean, it's in the Nightmares and Dreamscape sh- series, which fucking sucks. <laughs> but um, I, I, you know, this could have easily like wedged into Creepshow too. Honestly, if it wasn't Creepshow 2, probably would have liked Creepshow 2 a little yeah. bit more. But it's got um, a real mean yeah. edge too, which I like. All right. So yeah. I'm de- officially declaring Richard Cannell the winner of our very first playing game. All right. Moving Great. on to our second banger matchup, we've got two more writers from short stories. We have Richard Hagstrom from Word Processor of the Gods, who the synopsis I found for him, tired of his unpleasant wife and son, he gets a gift from his delightful genius nephew, a built from scratch word processor. Unfortunately, his nephew has recently died in a car accident caused by Richard it's also terrible brother, but luckily this word processor can write things into existence and Richard uses it to erase the family he cre- he hates and create the life he wants. He's also played, I didn't realize this, by Malcolm McDowell in an episode of Tales from the Dark Side. So Richard Hagstrom is stacking up against Mike Inslin of 1408. Writer of serious fiction he's proud of, but that no one has really read, and the wildly popular Ten Nights series. He visits the Hotel Dolphin while researching ten nights in ten haunted hotel rooms and er, and falls victim to the evil room 1408. Almost falls victim. And he's played by John Cusack. So let's see. I know we were just talking about um, Mike Inslin of 1408. Mike, I know you love this story. So is that who you're picking for this one? I, I, of course, yeah. I mean, fourteen oh eight is is somehow become. I just never thought of it because I, I like the movie, but I didn't love mm-hmm. the movie. And but I love this short story, and I think and I touted it as I think it's King's scariest story to date. I, I just I just think it's so eerie, and it's something that's really stuck with me. And I buy Mike Enslin as a writer mm-hmm. here, and I'd like to read his books because I love those types of books. Like I'm going to be the 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 schmuck fan who walks up and it's like, Oh, can you sign my book? And he's going to be an asshole <laughs> mm. to me. And I'm going to be like, awesome. Like, this is yeah. cool. Like I got his autograph and then he's going to be miserable and, and walk away with a cigarette <laughs> in his ear. Um, but I, I'll probably ask him if he wants to smoke <laughs> or if he has yeah. a smoke knowing me. Um, and he'd be like, he'd be even more angry at me. Um, but I, I just think like, you know, Hagstrom classic smut King character, yeah. you know, because I, I want to say, I'm pretty sure this is a Playboy story. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know it's in Skeleton Crew, but I want to say it, it's it's in, I think it was originally in Playboy. I can't remember, but this reads like that. It's like this angry dad um, who, you know, wants to get away. And this is so pure escapism for all the guys that were reading those magazines. Yeah. And, and I love that about it. I mean, I, that's why I love about some of the earliest, camp. that's why I love Night mm-hmm. Shift so much um, because it's all cut from that cloth. It's mean. It's mean EC Comics born horror and that that's this is certainly one of them but i don't know i mean he has to build his he has to you know create a word processor to kill his family he's probably not gonna be a great writer you know i mean maybe he's done magic he's written magic but i don't know i'm I'm more interested in enzlin and that goes beyond just the story itself so i agree julia who are you picking oh enzlin 100 percent. yeah um i love i love how 
hardened he is and how uh, just non-believing he is. And I love his little fucking ear cigarette quirk. It's uh-huh. adorable. <laughs> yeah. um, and I and I, I agree with you, uh, Mike. Like, I think this is one of the most, like to me, this is the most of like what it would actually feel like to be in a haunted house. Mm-hmm. Like what it yeah. would actually be feel like to be like in this haunted house while you're losing your mind. Like this, like that's what this story is. It's so well-written. Uh, I want to like read it out loud to everybody because it would, it's just like this beautiful piece of horror and it really is scary. Yeah. Cause like it's terrifying. It yeah. embodies the kind of insanity in a story. Yeah. And you yeah. know, the first part of the story is good too. Like I love the part where yeah. he's just talking about Same. the history of the room. Like that's really engrossing too. So it's just, it's a solid story. I used to listen to the audio version of it, which Stephen King reads very well every Halloween as I drove into work. And so it's got, it's that's got a special awesome. place in my heart. Dan, how about you? Yeah, I've got to go with Enslin. I like the story better. He, he seems like a cooler guy to hang out with. We get a lot of shithead writers from King, which I don't mind. Because <laughs> a lot of yeah. writers are shitheads. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, word processor to me, it almost feels cut from the same cloth a little bit as some of his other asshole writers. So if, if mm. just by virtue of standing out. And I, I do like the short story 1408 quite a bit. So, yeah, that's my pick. I do. I will give um, WordPress of the Gods just a tiny little uh, bump because it is one of my favorite sections in our book episodes. And I do really enjoy looking for oh, the, yeah. the word processor of uh, King's word processor of the gods. But yeah, so Mike Inslin is moving on to our second round. So now we've got a playoff. We've got Richard Cannell versus Mike Inslin. And I'm not going to list all of their credentials again. But if we're stacking these two up against each other, who are we going to pick? Richard Cannell, Road Virus Heads North or Mike Inslin, 1408? Mike Enslin. I, yeah, I got to pick Enslin, too. Enslin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Easy one. Sorry. R- sorry, hey, Rich. You know, we're uh, going <laughs> to we're going to kill some darlings in this episode. Like one of these writers is going to end up. Look, at, you got to respect how iconic someone is. The memorability. All, I'd like that. All that comes into play. I think yeah. with this. so that, yeah. that's, that's it for me. Hey, no, it's a fu- no offense. Yeah, it's a fond farewell. A fond. It farewell. is. It yeah, is. A fond. Like hey, uh-huh. you know, Elliot Smith. He made and he, he, I, he made it through a, a matchup. He's good. Yeah. Well, Richard Cannell now is looking at his painting. He's like, oh, I'm being voted off. Uh, <laughs> this painting and this is all I got. I didn't even win. Hey, both writers yeah. kind of have to do with the painting. Uh, is the painting of, in 1408 or is that just the movie? The ship that's in the... Yeah. No, there's paintings. It's, no, it's, yeah. it's in the story. Yeah, it's And there's terrifying. like a lady who's holding her boob and like a drop of blood oh, is like hanging right. from it. Yeah. And it's inferred that like uh, they're all past victims mm-hmm. of the room. Um, that's, that didn't escape. Such um, a good story. Which is fucking so Ooh. scary I, there's a part in that book it just starts off so great because it's like he walks up and he like sees the door distort kind of mm-hmm. like and I imagine it like being like a Tim Burton movie and then he backs away and the door's normal but then he backs he like walks up to it again and the door gets distorted a different way and it's just like so fucking unnerving to think about like yeah and he still walks in I, know. I love it I mean I probably would have walked in too knowing, just well you definitely spooky, would have but, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I will yeah. also give one more shout out to that audiobook because it is one of my favorite audiobooks or audio fictions all right so we're heading west (laughs) our um matchup virus is heading west i guess and we've got another play-in game um this is two uh memoirists maybe two kind of unpublished writers but i figure they do enough writing that it is worth mentioning them so we're starting with billy summers of Billy Summers. He is a combat veteran and hitman, the best in the business with a particular knack for getting out of tight spots after the hit goes down, but he wants to get out of the business. 
Billy takes one last job and poses as a writer while he waits to take the shot in front of a courthouse. And while waiting and while hiding out afterwards, he is writing his story of, I believe he spent time in Fallujah and just like the story of his life. And it turns out very well. He also meets and helps a woman named Alice Walker. And that makes me cry. I sobbed at the end of that book. In my head, he is played by Bill Hader, but if you listen to our recent Hollywood King episode, he is soon to be played by Leonardo DiCaprio in Martin Scorsese's Billy Suffer. Yeah, yeah. Allegedly, yeah. yes. Don't take that at face value because it's probably not true. Um, and he is stacking up against Paul Edgecombe of the Green Mile. So Paul is the commanding officer of the death row cell block at Cold Mountain Penitentiary in Louisiana in the Depression Era South. As an old man, he writes his story at his retirement community and tells his new lady love about the time he met a man named John Coffey, who was a convicted murderer blessed with the power to heal, which also makes me cry. Both tearjerker stories. And he's played by national treasure Tom Hanks. All right. So, Dan, who are you going to pick between Billy Summers and Paul Edgecombe? I'm assuming I would probably pick him anyway, but by default, it has to be Paul Edgecombe because Billy Summers is one of two King novels I haven't read. That and later. Uh, interesting. So I, ha- I think I would just... Wow, okay. But, but I don't know. I've heard good things about Billy Summers. Maybe not, but I, yeah, by default, I have to give it to Edgecombe. Nice. Julie, what about you? That's a really hard one. They're very, very different. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, this yeah. is interesting because it's, it's really about how they're writing um, because the other ones we're talking of, like, we don't get to see what they're writing, right? right? Mm-hmm. But this is like, oh, okay, you're actually like reading what they're writing. Mm-hmm. Um, Billy Summers isn't my favorite book, but I think the idea of what he's doing is a little bit more interesting. Although, I, you know, how can you choose again? Yeah. But I, let's 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 do Billy Summers. Okay, all right. So we got one for Paul Edgecombe, one for Billy Summers. Mike, who are you gonna pick? You know, it's hard because it's 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 true. I, I you know when you think about the source material of what they're actually writing. I think I'd have to go with Paul mm-hmm. just because I think the story is fascinating. But the, I mean, I, I, I do want to give some credit to, to Billy Summers because I think as a, as a first time writer for him to like, you know, knock out a novel is pretty unreal. I agree. You know, yeah. I've not easy. You know, I, I love that King always gives credibility to his writers being able to like, all right, you're going to finish this book. Most people, it's like so hard to finish a mm-hmm. book, but like, King, even the worst writers in his in his works, like or even first time writers or novice writers, will be like, "Yeah, I just finished my book or whatever." It's like they're almost like almost all his writers like happen to be like the the, the other brother in adaptation mm. who's just like knocking <laughs> out fucking work. Where in real life, we're all the other brother from adaptation, like actually Charlie Kauf- Charlie Kaufman, and um. So I I don't know. I think that's kind of uh, funny and, and tongue in cheek, but um. You know, if let's just say my, my choice might change if Leo uh, gets the oh, role that's true. because I'm a you know Leo's my favorite actor and um you know after actually after um Tom Cruise not to be controversial <laughs> but uh I love uh yeah so I'm gonna go Paul I gotta yeah. go Paul I think I'm gonna change um, my answer I'm gonna go Paul Whoa. Uh, nice yeah. it's allowed it's it allowed. is it's totally it's allowed it's yeah we're making like our a, cases some crazy ass three point shot being it's a buzzer beater yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly okay I agree you never what I zig when you think I'm gonna zag right <laughs> hey, it's March Madness baby um oh you never I'm know I'm gonna pick Paul too um mostly and I really loved Billy Summers like I posted a picture of me like sobbing after I finished that book because it really got me but I also like the Green Mile and when I think about what that novel is like as a writing feat in and of itself like as the six-part like story and I read all of them as they came out and I was like waiting to go to Book World to get them so I think that that's given it the edge 
for me. But it's also oh, that's cool. Uh, that you actually read I did. Them I read them live. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, I was really excited to get. I've still got all my tiny little my little uh, novellas. Oh, that's so cool. cool. And That's it's awesome. interesting if you like if you read it all combined, like you see the repeats in like when he would kind of catch you up on what had been like previously on the Green Mile. Yeah. Um, all right. So Paul Edgecombe is our uh, play-in winner for the Boulder Division. All right. Let me stick him in. Oh, oh, all right. Edgecombe. Okay. All right, so now we are hitting the sweet 16. So our wild card winners, I think they're wild cards, are Mike Inslin, Paul Edgecombe. So Mike Inslin is going to take our first wild card spot in our first sweet 16 match against Gordy Lachance from The Body. All right, he's a teen writer and member of a four-person search party for the body of a boy who went missing while picking blueberries in the woods near Castle Rock, Maine. We also get to read Stud City, and I believe the title is The Revenge of Lardass Hogan. Um, I'm not going to hold Stud City against him or Lardass Hogan. There's a lot of puke in that, but I also really like um, Gordy. (laughs) Um, He's still recovering from the death of his older brother, and he also helps his best friend Chris Chambers rise above his present circumstances, Um, played by uh, Will Wheaton and Richard Dreyfuss, right? Yeah. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So we get a John Cusack both that's ways. That's what I'm saying. That's we do. A, oh, that's, that's true. Oh, that's right. Think, so yeah. John Cusack versus John Cusack's little brother, cinematic little brother. Um, so yeah, Julia, which one are you going to pick in this Cusack off? I mean, Gordy's got the heart, right? Yeah. And you mm-hmm. got to love that because it's so well written and it's so beautiful. And then, of course, uh, you know, bring brought to screen so beautifully. Mm-hmm. But I guess like Mike Enslin's the kind of writer that feels so t- stereotypically writer to me mm-hmm. that like it's when you're past the point of you've seen what's on the other side and now you're like, eh, there's nothing here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're just fucking around doing these kind of things. So I like men's Ensl- Mike Enslin spirit, but I feel like I got to go with the heart. Yeah. So Gordy has got to, got to go. Yeah. Kind of. That's feel it. That I'm, that's his, he's my choice. He's got that. Um, Jesus did anybody line. Stud City. Oh no. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Stud, mm, Stud <laughs> gonna... City's not the best writing. Although you know he was he was young, so yeah. So Mike, who are you picking? I, I feel like I know who you're gonna pick on this one. It's hard. I, this is actually a really tough one because I feel like I, I feel like Gordy Lachance isn't gonna be a horror writer, right? Yeah, like he's gonna be more of like a literate, you know, into literature mm-hmm. and all. Which whatever the hell that means, <laughs> um, I fucking hate that debate. But um, you know, he's gonna be a fiction mm-hmm. writer, um, <laughs> literary fiction. You know, people that are writing literary horror, fiction, aren't, yeah. yeah, literary novelist, novelist. You know, <laughs> God, like kill me. Um, so, but I'm not huge on that. I will say, I, I, I do like those that tend to to lean into the spooky a little bit, and even with some of my um, you know, classic literature. Having said that, I feel like I'm gonna. I will lose my mind if I don't go with Gordy just because I, I mean, the body is my, one of my favorite stories by Stephen yeah. King and it's technically written by him. Yeah. So I, I yeah, I gotta go with Gordy, I guess. God, it's, sorry, it's, Mike. Hey, sorry. it's hard. Yeah. Dan, what about you? I feel you? bad about no. Mike too. I really do. I know. Oh, yeah. Hey, we love them He's all. You left know? alone there in the living room. <laughs> I, yeah. I hate the He sun. made it out of the room though. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's doing okay. Yeah. But he's hey, good. you know, it yeah. still could go either way. Dan, who are you going to pick? Look, I'm sending Gordy's older brother off in that car <laughs> to his death right now because Aww. I got a bit Gordy. I mean, it's one of my favorite novellas. It's the source material for my favorite Stephen King movie of all time. And also I might be wrong, but I think it's, 
is it the writer whose actual text we get to see the most of out of any of these? Right. I mean, it might nah, be. Yeah. Get, Maybe like, other than Paul Sheldon and misery, yeah. but yeah, like we get like two full fully formed stories. And once again, mm-hmm. similar to Harold Lauder, uh, although I think Gordy's supposed to have more raw talent. King does such a good job of, Yes, showing Stud City maybe isn't the best piece of writing in the world, but you see the talent that is there. And honestly, mm-hmm. for a kid, it it's, is a very good story. And I, I Lord asked Hogan's a great story, right? So, yeah, yeah it's Gordy through and through, hands down for me. Yeah, and it's funny, like, I, I'm going to pick Gordy as well, even though I don't like Stud City or Lardass Hogan, like, puke is just my my thing. I don't like <laughs> it. Um, but it's just, he's so... I don't know. It's just the heart that the story about him, I think is what draws me to him. Although I, I love Mike. Insulin, you, you get so, to know yeah. Gordy so well, it's It's going to be you interesting do. as we go through mm-hmm. and we have these short story writer or, or writers that appear in a short story squaring off against writers who p- appear in a novella or a novel. Cause you just get to know them so much better. I mean, in some cases maybe that's a bad thing, but here I, that's why Gordy wins. And we, you don't get a lot of sweet writers either. Yeah. Right. Like he's got this mm-hmm. sweetness about him that a lot of the writers we meet are quite seasoned and disaffected. Yeah. Well, and speaking of sweet, and isn't sorry, it, go ahead. well, he's supposed to be like a stand in for King yes. too, right? I mean, it's like this basically is his story. He's always yeah. said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's something so. we're going to see a couple more times on this list, but I feel like he's one of the first yeah. writers that serves as a stand in for King, you know, and a, a unique stand in because he's so young, you know, yeah. it's like the promise yeah. of a life ahead, you know. All right, so yeah, Gordy is our winner there. He is moving on to the Elite Eight. Our next Sweet 16 matchup, though, two interesting ones. We have got Thad Beaumont, just Thad Beaumont. Someone related to him is going to pop up a little later. Um, Thad is an author and recovering alcoholic who lives in Ludlow, Maine. His novels are not very successful, but he also absorbed his twin brother in the womb, but uses the name George Stark to write successful crime novels. And when Thad kills George, the writer George Stark comes to life and tries to take over his life and his body. So things that he's able to do, he can harness the power of sparrows. He has a really awesome wife. He is played by Timothy Hutton. And he is going to be facing off against Jim Gard Gardner of the Tommyknockers, who is a poet and author of Raging Angels, which sounds fascinating. Um, he Sounds like a Hunter S. Thompson. Uh, it, it really does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, he's immune um, to the power of the Tommyknockers because of a steel plate in his head. He's kind of dating Bobby Anderson and comes to visit after she finds a ship in the woods. I believe I remember listening to this episode and Mel like really disliking this character because he shot his ex-wife, I think. And she survived. But I believe that is part of his story. And he's also played by Jimmy Smith, which seems just like so that's not who I pictured at all. But OK, so we got Thad Beaumont and Jim Gard Gardner. Dan, have you read you've read both of these books, oh, yeah. right? So which one of these are you picking? Picking Thad. I don't dislike <laughs> Gardner as a character and I don't dislike the Tommyknockers as much as other folks do. But. Mm-hmm. From what I remember, it's been a minute, but from what I remember, <laughs> Gardner, he has the whole sequence where he goes to like the reading, right? And he starts like telling off critics and other people. Yeah. And it it just feels a little bit like a vessel for like, I think King's kind of getting off in that <laughs> a little bit. Like, yeah, Gardner, he's showing up what's up. And it's just such an annoying trope. And I kind of hate when that trope comes up with any writer in King. There's other writers we'll get to who also embody that. It's like the gotta hate critics thing, right? And yeah. Yeah, just he seems like kind of an annoying asshole a little bit. I think he's a well-drawn <laughs> annoying asshole. I, I think we actually get to know Gard and Bobby pretty well throughout the Tommyknockers. Um, 
but yeah, he, he gets points dinged. Whereas the dark half, which I only like a little bit better than the Tommy knockers as a novel. I, I don't feel like we don't have to go with, sim- with who's more sympathetic all the time, right? Like no, some, we can but, pick but there's writers yeah, who are interesting and in, in how they're assholes. And, and maybe Gardner is just once again, just I, here's the problem. I don't know if King is always thinking that Gardner is an asshole. I mean, he does to an extent because mm-hmm. he shot his mm-hmm. wife. Like didn't Norman, Norman Mailer do that or something, right? Didn't Norman. No, it's William S. Burroughs, which I was just going to mention. Because ah. I was like, oh, it's just the William S. Burroughs yeah. thing, right? Where he had the whole deal there mm-hmm. at a party, and he was going to, like, William Tell, shoot the apple off her head and just shot her That's in the right. face oh. in front of everybody. Did, right? Oh did Nora Mailer... That really happened. Nora Mailer stabbed wow. his wife, though, right? Like, didn't didn't he... Anyway, writers are dickheads. And <laughs> full stop. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm going to pick that because I think... Well, I just should say this, and we see Darkness and Tad, obviously, or Thad, um, what someone will get to eventually. So I think that's just... Yeah, he did stab right? Nora Mailer. Yeah, yeah. stabbed uh, Adele God. Adele Morales. Oh, uh, he I love that we have two literary giants. Yeah. Or wait, was it him? Oh, was he the asshole who stabbed or shot? No, his he he's twice stabbed <laughs> yeah. his wife Adele Morales with a pen knife in a drunken altercation, nearly taking his, oh, her wow. life. Man, we should put these guys crazy. in the bracket. They sound um, like kids. I, was, I know. Yeah. Well, I was going to say we're going to have to do a Souls Midnight on like violent yeah. writers at um, some point. That'd yeah, Thad, Thad for me. <laughs> Thad for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mike. What about you? Who are you picking? Uh, Steve Wynn. Uh, I'm going to go with that. No, I'm just joking. We're talking about, you know, nut bars. But uh, uh, no, I. it's going to be Thad. Tad. I mean, I, I love the dark half mostly just because of Christopher Young's score. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like it's up there with the con- uh, the conjuring, the changeling. <laughs> As movies, I love to watch when I want to, when I want to go to mm, bed. Changeling um, is and that's so not good. a knock. Yeah. Oh, it's 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 like a lullaby for me. Like it, it's 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 so funny because like Sammy, uh, my girlfriend, always laugh because she's just like, the minute I play it, like I am gone. Like five minutes in, like he doesn't even make it out of uh, the um, the Lincoln, um, <laughs> you know, art. What the hell of it's called? The Lincoln Center. Um, anyway, so yeah, Thad's gonna go with me. I and I also just I love. I love the story in Castle Rock. Like I, I, I don't love the story. I love what it does with I Castle do. Rock, and also where it introduces, you know, Pangborn, and kind of opens up a world in a way that we we kind of already been hinted at with King's works, but not to this yeah. level per se. You know, like I mean, we, we had because of the Dead Zone and and Cujo and all, but it felt like it was returning back to that, and I I loved it so. Um, big fan of that, and also just this seems like the closest to like his right like if not him then certainly Bachman's works and uh you know I'm not gonna be on the Bachman ranking of the list but I kind of like a lot of the Bachman books even if I don't traditionally love where they go I'm always flipping the pages and I think that's what he is trying to do with the Bachman is just like make these paperbacks that you find on the right before you go on the bus Mm -hmm. right and you just like have this the you know total B movie or B story type thing. And it seems like Tad does that a lot, whereas George Stork does that. So yeah. I'm in more, more interesting too. So, you know, well, and Julia, we were talking about Richard Bachman before we started recording. So who are you picking? Are you picking Thad or guard? Uh, Gardner with oh. a big exclamation point. Nice. Uh, I, I really like this character a lot. And he was my, definitely my favorite character in this book. Um, I like that. He's a complete jerk. Mm-hmm. And I, I know it's this kind of anti-hero where, yeah, so we're not sure how we feel about him, but he's not sure how he feels about himself. Mm-hmm. 
And he does so many things that are very noble and very self-sacrificing, but then also is very selfish. And, you know, I love that he's encounter with Jack Sawyer, uh, question mark. Uh, I love <laughs> that whole thing. And I love that he becomes this actual hero where at the beginning he hated everything and he was thinking about killing himself and like, I'm done with it. And now he's fighting to live and fighting for other people's lives. Uh, so he's my choice. Nice. Bing. Um, And, you know, I do like Guard a lot more by the end of the story. Like, I feel like he has a really big trajectory of how I feel about him from the beginning of the book to how I feel about him at the end. I do really like the ending of that book, even though it's bonkers. Um, I got it. I'm going to have to go with that, though, because I... When I was little, I watched um, on USA, I watched Sometimes They Come Back and I watched The Dark Half all the time. I had those recorded on VHS. I'm a huge fan of The Dark Half. I love how like 80s action it is, you know. Um, But yeah, I do. I also do like Guard and we're going to talk about him in a little bit, too. So, all right. Thad is moving on to our next round. He will. Oh, Sorry, <laughs> my copy paste skills got a little crazy. Um, all right. And so our next matchup, this is going to be a big one, might be a little contentious. We've got Ben Mears from Salem's Lot. Returns to Salem's Lot after the death of his wife, Miranda. Tried about his childhood nightmare, the Marston House. His bibliography is Air Dance, Conway's Daughter, and I believe Billy Says Go Faster. He falls in love with Susan Norton, and I just wrote park fucking in parentheses because that scene always cracks me up. And he tries to save the town of Salem's Lot from a vampire. He is, I feel like he's the originator of the blue chambray work shirt thing. (laughs) And he's a man's man, you know, he's going to get along with your dad, you know. And he's played by... um, He's played by Rob Lowe in the the TNT miniseries. He is going to be David Soul and David Soul, yeah. David Soul right. who a, I just yeah. always see. Which, um, is he Husky oh, or Starch? Starch. I think he's Starch. Husky Hutch. No, maybe he's Hutch. <laughs> Who's the guy in Midnight Cowboy? John Voight. John I always Voight, see yeah. John Voight in that. He role. does look a lot like Something John about Voight. the hair. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's this yeah. is going to be a tough one because he's stacking up against Bill Dembro from It. Um, who is he is a, a top seeder, a strong contender. He's the leader of the Losers Club, leads the charge in defeating Pennywise. Spoilers. His bibliography is The Black Rapids, Attic Room, The Dark, The Glowing, and an untitled werewolf novel. Um, there's a fun little anecdote where he tells off a professor who is really down on horror in college, which I feel like is King just really writing about his college experience. And he's played by many hot men. So he got James McAvoy, Jaden Martell, Jonathan Brandis, and John Boy, which is Richard Thomas. So <sighs> who are we picking? Um, Julia, which one are you going to pick in between these two? There is... No question in my mind. The bed mirrors does not even factor into <laughs> my world in this at all. Sorry, Ben. Like he doesn't. He's not one of my favorite characters in King anyway. He feels a little wishy washy oh, yeah. to me. Yeah. Uh, but Bill is, you know, as as the loser that he is, and like one of the coolest losers, and also writing a bunch of horror stuff that I, stuff that I would really like. I would too. Yeah. I know. I always get mad at King when he in the when his cameo. He's like the ending sucked. I was like, I don't know. It sounds kind of cool. I bet there's a gator in that black rabbit. Hello. Bill Band here from the All 80s Movies Podcast to tell you about Factor Meals. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. 
You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 and use code 80smovies50 to get 50% off. That's code 80smovies50 at factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 to get your 50% off today. Story, you know? (laughs) Uh, Mike, what about you? Who are you picking? Oh, it's gonna be Bill. I mean, Ben is like one of the first characters we really like. Just trolled that's on true. In this podcast, like <laughs> I have shit on him think, quite like, a bit. I, you know, <laughs> God, like we were because you know we used to record these episodes like in Max's apartment, which was a studio, by the way, and um and we you know we were all huddled around the Yeti, and I remember like for a good forty five minutes or so, like we just shit on Ben <laughs> Mears, being like this character sucks, <laughs> like and and it's you know so and especially it, naturally it's going to be Mark Petrie who's such a badass. That's true. Right? Yeah. I know Mark is the MVP of that story. That and um and I love Matt too, but or Doc also, but um yeah, but Bill Dumbo is great, and also I can't recall a stretch of um, adaptations or at least castings where like all of them have been dead on like James McAvoy, Jade Martell. Yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Brandis and Richard Thomas and Richard Thomas, who I'm always going to see is, is Bill yeah. Dembro. Um, it's flawless. So like, yeah, win-win for me. And not to mention leader of our, you know, our that's namesake. true. So yeah. How, how could we, and I feel go? like maybe I said this was a big matchup and it almost feels like the books themselves rather than the actual characters are the stronger matchup. But Dan, who are you picking? It's funny because Salem's lots of my favorite King novel. Mm-hmm. I mean, but it's like, you know, two or three for me. Um, but I think yeah. because it is also so high and like Julia said, it just sounds like Bill writes stuff that I would like a little bit better than Ben. Cause I, from what I remember, I, and I, I do like, I hate the word too, but I do like a lot of literary fiction. But from what I got, Ben Mears was almost like a mid-level literary fiction author, right? Like, I don't think any of his novels were going to Philip Roth levels of acclaim, right? It was almost more of a respectable writer. And I don't hate him as a character. Um, I was defending him quite a bit on that sounds lot episode, but I do do agree that he feels more like a cipher than... I mean, he, I'll say this. I like him as a character. He's probably the one of the least interesting characters in Salem's Lot because everyone else is so interesting in that. So, I agree. yeah, I've got to, I've got to go with, uh, with it. And yeah, if we're just talking actors, probably Richard Thomas for me too because it was the first. You know, the mini. I love, I love it. At chapter one. I like it. Chapter two better than most, but I don't mm-hmm. think it'll ever quite eclipse. I mean, the, you know, we all saw that at the right time when we were little. Um. So yeah. 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 I'm gonna pick Bill too. Um. I do. I, I feel bad because I have given Ben a lot of shit. Um, and he is interesting. But I remember the first time I picked up Salem's Lot, and I was probably in like middle school, and I read the first page, and I was like, Air Dance? That sounds so 70s. I'm not reading this book. And it I does. put it down because yeah. of the title of that book. Um, and then later went back and was like, why did I wait so long to read this? This book is amazing. Um, all right. So Bill Denbro is moving on to our Elite Eight. All right, so we teased this guy earlier in our final 
round from the banger division of the Sweet 16, we've got Mike Noonan from Bag of Bones. He's got quite a bibliography, being to the redshirt man all the way to the top, threatening behavior, Darcy's admirer, Helen's promise, and mild childhood friend, which sounds weird. Um, he's a former reporter for the Dairy News. He lives in Dairy, but he has a cottage off a TR90 called Sarah Laughs on Dark Score Lake. <laughs> he's a horny widower. Who has <laughs> lots of um, memories of uh, some sexy times with his wife. And he suffers from writer's block after the death of his wife. And he calls his trunk novels like nuts that he squirreled away. And he's played by Pierce Brosnan in the miniseries. And he is stacking up against the high-toned son of a bitch himself, George Stark from the dark half uh -uh. writer of crime novels starring Alexis machine machines way Oxford blues writing to Babylon shark meat pie, which I would kill. Yeah. To read, shark man. meat. What shark meat pie, shark meat. Like, pie. Oh, it's probably it's just, like criminal nicknames, right? Like, yeah, hey, I'm right. Shark. Exactly. Oh, like pie, my girlfriend, my gun mall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, he comes to life and tries to take over the body of Thad Beaumont kills a lot of people creatively, but mostly with a straight razor. And he's pretty badass, but he's also falling apart and he gets killed by birds and he's played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, Timothy Hutton. <laughs> That's the one knock against him is I feel really feel like they should have cast another actor to play him in the movie. But I still love that movie. Um, so, Julia, who are you picking for this one? George Stark or Mike Noonan? Stark. Stark. It's hard to yeah. hard to. I want to read Stark stuff. I do, too. It, like that sounds more interesting to me. Uh, Mike Noonan's fine. Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's kind of how I feel about it, too. Yeah. Uh, Mike, what about you? Are you picking your namesake or going with Stark? Well, I can't pick my namesake because I haven't I've, I haven't uh, read no. Bag of Bones because uh, that came at a time when I was just I was way too busy and that that year is is uh, I think it was one of the gaps that year for me. But even just based on what I'm seeing, they all seem like like boring versions of the books that like King was writing around that time where he was trying to pivot yeah. into that a little bit. Because um, isn't Noonan another sort of uh, quasi doppelganger? He's like a Ben Mears King, kind of in yeah. a way. Yeah. Cause like, cause I think that was one of the debates on the episode. It was that like, whether or not King was really putting himself into this because you were talking about the vessel earlier of being able to go off on critics. If I recall from the clips I was pulling from this episode, it does seem like, uh, King was kind of he, running some stuff through. I Noonan think he was all, I think Noonan from what I remember on the episode too, and, and reading the book along with it, he, th this is an accurate observation. I think they were almost saying he's like the really cool guy version of King, you know, like just like the mm. King, like <laughs> making himself a total fucking rock star. Like who, um, who King wants to be. Yeah. Although he does have, oh, yeah. sorry, Mike, who are you going to pick? Sorry. I, 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 oh no, no, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, going to be Stark by default, yeah. but I, but go keep, keep rolling on, Wait, uh, on Noonan though. Cause I, I, I have nothing yeah, to say. Cause he, him, but. he, uh, but Hey man, he, I do not love Bag of Bones as a book. He has maybe one of the best sex scenes in any king. I mean, he does. He's got some really good sex scenes. Um, yeah. Which we didn't have in our sex scenes list, I don't think. Right? I don't think like, so. I know oh, that someone crazy. was like, we someone someone went off a little bit on us because, uh, not off, but they were just like, where's Bag of oh, Bones? Yeah. And I think all of us were I don't like. Think, I think it was the people uh -huh. on the episode hadn't yeah. been on the Bag of Bones episode. Yeah, <laughs> I think if Mel or Randall or yeah. someone had been on. Well, Randall was on. Was he on the the Tasty's Pound Cake episode? I don't remember. Um, I can't remember. I don't, I don't think, think so. Maybe think not. So. Yeah, I, I, I think bet it was if one me. of them was, then it would have happened. Maybe if, I, I think Anna yeah. was on that episode too. Um, but uh 
yeah, we'll yeah, yeah, we'll do, we'll oh, do yeah. second helping. Um, second <laughs> but, helping is sweet as less. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, I, I pick Stark also. Also, Stark's got like, uh, you know, he's got Chucky energy to him, which I like. Just <laughs> given one-liners, just being an asshole, he's a little bit more charismatic. Chaos. Yeah, so it's Stark. Yeah. Yeah, he's fun. I'm picking Stark too. Hard to hard to pick against him because he might kill you if you pick against him. So, um, all right. Well, we're heading over to the West for the Boulder Division of our Sweet Sixteen. We've got our play-in winner, Paul Edgecombe, and he is facing off against another Paul, Paul Sheldon from Misery. So Paul Sheldon becomes a prisoner of Annie Wilkes. He's kind of a dirty bird. His bibliography is Fast Cars, <laughs> Misery, Misery's Quest, Misery's Lover, Misery's Child, Misery's Return, which he writes under extreme duress. He overcomes addiction to painkillers and writes a great book about bees. I really enjoy his um, his text in it. And he does that with like with non-functioning N's and like E's and R's. So yeah, he he has a pretty hard time. And he's played by James Caan and Tweet. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, John. I know, James Caan. Uh, Mike, who are you picking here? Oh, you can't, Paul it's Paul Sheldon. Like, it's Caan alone. Like, I, I, not to mention, um, this feels like probably King uh, writing uh, the, the truest writer. Yeah. I think, like, when I read this book, like, it just felt like this is... This is what I imagined even growing up of like what writers were like. Like, you know, maybe this is probably more um, Grisham, maybe, than than say like mm-hmm. King. But I just I, I just pictured this is this is kind of like the adult writer. This is how they think, this is how they write, um, this is the process that they get you know, that they go through. Um, and so I, yeah, I dig it. Not, I wouldn't, I'm, I just don't think misery stories would ever be in my, my wheelhouse. I'm not big on, um, fantasy t- style, like romances and everything. Um, but he would kill it right now because this is the type of stuff that's like overwhelming book yeah. talk. So yeah, Sammy um, reads a lot of like romance kind of stuff. Oh, like yeah. you think she'd read the misery yeah. series? Oh yeah, she read four f- fucking books in like forty eight <laughs> hours, like a couple weeks ago. She's gonna, she would knock out all of the misery books in the, in, a, in a second, probably. Yeah. So, yeah. Julia, how about you? Which Paul are you picking? Sheldon. Sheldon, definitely. Uh, he's, you know, such an interesting character, and I love how much of his writing we'll get to see. And I, that's something about the movie, as great as it is, that I'm sad we can't get that. Yeah. Seeing his version of it and how it's it's. It's really, really neat. I like the different type and that you can see that his duress is going. And when you get the letter start, to, it's really, really fascinating. Um, and that's really the only kind of translation that doesn't go from book to movie. You can't really do that. Yeah. Yeah. Dan, what about you? Yeah, it's Sheldon. And I love Paul Edgecombe, but it's a couple of reasons. Paul Edgecombe almost becomes a memoirist because he wants to get these thoughts down, right? He's. Yeah. I don't want to say that doesn't make him a writer, but he doesn't have it in his blood like Sheldon does. Mm-hmm. And even though I'm not a big fan of romance novels, I when we think about like the, I don't know if there's like a big three of King's writers and maybe we'll get to these big three. And the final thing, I mean, Misery is such a novel about writing, about fandom, about what all yeah. that means that I, I mean, he's once again, it's the iconic element of it. Um, and then, yeah, when you when you tie in James Conn's performance, Tom Hanks, very good as Paul Edgecombe, mm-hmm. but I just think of him as more of a writer and that is very much a book about writing. So yeah, Paul Shelton. Yeah. 
I agree. And I think one of the things that I really love about that book is I just remember the first time I read it and I just had to finish it and I skipped everything for the rest of the day because I had to keep going and find out. We covered this for uh, Toxic Fandom on Psychoanalysis. And I think there's I love that. But I also love the addiction element of this book. And I think Paul, he he feels like one of the truest of King's writers, but he also feels like one of the truest manifestations of King struggling with addiction. And that's, I think, a big part of why that book means so much to me. And it's also just such a good book. Um, so yeah, I'm picking Paul. So that's a queen, clean sweep on Paul Sheldon. All right. Nice. So moving on, we've got another big one coming up. Not necessarily a big battle, but we've got maybe one of the other big writers in King's canon. We've got Jack Torrance from The Shining. He is a dry alcoholic. I didn't say he's a recovering alcoholic because he is not in recovery, which is part of the problem. He's a former teacher and winter caretaker of the Overlook Hotel. He's a playwright. He's a family man. Um, he's published a few short stories and is working on his play, The Little School, and he comes pos becomes possessed by the hotel. If you don't know who Jack Torrance is and you are listening to this episode, then I'm not, I'm not <laughs> sure what we're doing here. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. He is also played by Stephen Weber, who... I love <laughs> um, And he yeah. is stacking up against Johnny Marinville of Desperation, who is a best-selling author, touring the country in his Harley Davidson. I believe his uh, his assistant is also played by Stephen Weber, which is an interesting and coincidence. Are these and of both... course, he's played by Jack Nicholson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's, are, that are, is are our, our Jack. Yeah. Jacks? Because isn't Jack short for John? Not short, but isn't Jack oh, yeah. I for think John? He might so these go two by... Jacks, maybe? Yeah. Or two Johns, yeah, two rather? Ja yeah. oh, it's another Jack off. You know, hey. <laughs> I think we had that on and our let's fuck Mary. Keep on, Ooh. <laughs> but with it, I've heard of the two Jakes, the but two the two Jacks. Jacks. Oh, man, that's a, that's a, these are deep right. jokes. Like that works on. I we've got like four levels <laughs> deep on on uh, this. Awesome. Yeah. Right. Not bad, not um, bad. So he is also a recovering alcoholic and drug addict. He struggles with his faith a lot. We talked a lot about that in our de desperation episode. Um, he's not the greatest guy in his youth. He's got some issues with women. Um, but, you know, he he squares off against tack and he essentially sacrifices himself and um, kind of succumbs or submits himself to God's plan for his life. He also hates critics. So he gets that iconic last line, I hate critics. And he's played by Tom Skerritt, who is super dreamy. So, Dan, who are you picking here? Jack Torrance oh, or on. Johnny Mandel? <laughs> Jack Torrance. But I mean, I, yeah, I hate the guy. I mean, I kind of love God. I hate critics at this point. It's just so in it's over so the cheesy. top. I can't believe it. And it's like right before he dies, too, which is just nuts to me. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I mean, there's. But I mean, come on, right? There's there's no explaining. Yeah. I do wonder sometimes, I've always wondered this, is Johnny Marinville supposed to be like John Irving? Because he reminds me of that kind of like, oh, he's like a Harley riding, like bad boy who John Irving used to wrestle and like has a tattoo on his ass and stuff, right? Like isn't, and, and yeah. him and King are friends. So I always wondered if that was uh, supposed to be a stand-in for him. Um, look, Marinville is not the worst character in the world. and But Desperation also isn't the best book in the world. I mean, there's not... <laughs> what 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 high points do we even have for Marinville over Nicholson? Like it's weird over yeah. Nicholson over uh, Torrance. It's weird because they are so similar in many ways, but like he's just doing it so much better with uh, with Torrance. So yeah, hands down. Yeah, Julia, what about you? Uh, it's really interesting because you have they're both you know you have uh, Jack who's on his way to becoming a writer, but has already feels 
writer's blocky and already like it feels sad because he can't get to where he wants to be but then you have johnny who was where he wants to be and wants to get back there and kind of can't Mm -hmm. so there's these like opposite ends of sadness um but of course jack torrance is is the one one to go with um i should mention because this is very apropos to be on this podcast today um i'm house sitting right now in a haunted house and the very first night i stayed there i woke up because a little girl next to the bed said hello (gasps) And I was like, come on, you're like a cliche. Do you not even realize it? Like- <laughs> at least be interesting, ghosts. <laughs> but the, I was staying with dogs and the dogs weren't barking at all. They're always like alert you to something. And I was like, yeah. come on, that's your job as a dog. Oh, and I shit. guess they're used to it or whatever. Oh, that's really I creepy. I know. Um, when, when did this happen? Like, like just a couple days ago. Oh my God. Just That's, happened. Well, you're talking to the worst person because I, I, I'm i obsessed with this stuff. Like I I, I have to hold myself because we have to talk about this. <laughs> right. Okay. I got many, I got many oh, stories. We can go down many. Oh yeah. I'm obsessed with this stuff. Yeah. With this yeah. girl that talked um, to you, is that the girl that's standing behind you right now? Is that? Hey. Oh. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. So Mike, do I even need to ask who you're picking here? <laughs> no, it's Torrance. He's my, fa- he's my favorite character in, in King's yeah. Dominion. Like I, I, I love Jack Torrance. So I, He's yeah. gonna win. Yeah. If you want to hear why, like, listen to I don't know. I, th- I think we've talked about this character like eighty thousand times in this podcast. Yeah, so, he's a yeah. big one. He means a lot to me too, in the same way that Paul Sheldon does. You know, and I I love the Misery and The Shining are two of my all time favorite books. They're so good. I will say Johnny Marinville. I I that's one of those books that I started to really like knowing that I was going to talk about it on an episode and having to really dig into his character and kind of piece together what I thought King was doing with him. I did end up really enjoying Desperation a lot, but I mean, you know, it's hard to hard to top Jack Torrance. Um I'm just imagining Johnny like on his Harley just being like this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> right, exactly. Like like throwing his helmet down it's like why did you pair me up with the most iconic character? I know. Uh, in hey, works. you know the brackets um, they they uh they make losers and widows of us all. I don't know what that means, but yeah. you know. It's it's hard. <laughs> we should have we should have a, a photo of uh, Scared on the motors on the on like the Harley Davidson, and then like I'll Photoshop Jack Nicholson from uh, Easy Rider writing behind <laughs> yeah. him. Like, yeah, <laughs> I will say knowing that Tom Scarrett uh, played him bumped him up a little bit for me because I find him very dreamy. Um, all yeah. right, well, so we got another one. Uh, this is another big King Avatar. I think we've got Scott Landon from Lisey's Story. His Bibliographies, The Coaster's Daughter, Relics, Empty Devils, Outlaws, Honeymoon, I'm sorry, Outlaws, Honeymoon, and The Secret Pearl. He was the recipient of the National Book Award and the Pulitzer Prize, so he may be King's most accomplished fictional writer. He's a best-selling author. He is a survivor of horrific childhood abuse. He is a creator of many uh, nonsense words, and he survived an attack by a deranged (laughs) fan, but later died after collapsing at a book reading event. Um, he loves his wife and he was able to access a magical and healing world called Booyah Moon. And he stars in King's own favorite of his novels, which I feel like go, go bumps him up for me. And he's played by, for some reason, he's played by Clive Owen. I don't know. That was, yeah. the, I think that was the one week link in the miniseries for us. Um, yeah, I agree. And he is going up against someone we've mentioned already, Mort Rainey from Secret Window, Secret Garden, a recently divorced writer who suffered a psychotic break after discovering that his wife was having an affair. While suffering from depression and writer's block is confronted by a man named John Shooter who accuses him of stealing his story, Sewing Season. Spoiler alert, 
we've already covered it, but just given a spoiler, John Shooter doesn't exist. Mort is delusional and has imagined him. Mort kills his dog and a bunch of other people, burns down his house, kills Amy, his wife, and her lover, and gets better and then becomes able to write again. And it all works out for him after he kills everybody. And he's played by Johnny Depp. So... Who are we picking in this iconic matchup? Scott Landon and Mort <laughs> Rainey. Dan, who is your writer? Scott Landon. Um, I actually just finished rereading Lisey's story and uh, actually oh, listened yeah? listen to y'all's episode, uh, driving back yeah, and forth cool. to my parents' house. Great episode. Um, yeah, and there's and I I understand the criticisms about that book with Le- Lisey not having as much of an identity, but we're you know we're talking about the writers here, right? And I feel like mm-hmm. that maybe goes. I don't know. I mean, he goes so in depth with some of these writers that we're talking about. I will say this goes the most in depth into the creative process, I think, out of any of the writers we see, and then ties it to this really horrifying metaphor with the I hate I hate the language, the bad gunky or mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean still but but that is a really horrifying prospect to me. And someone in I maybe it was Anna, maybe it was one of you guys um talked about the line between madness and creativity. And I feel like Scott Landon is just as much um the epitome of that as Jack Torrance is. Uh, he's able to harness it a little better to an extent, I guess. It still gets him in the end. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I like the book a lot more. Um, and I just think that character is so well sketched. And I'll, honestly, all I, all I can think of with Mort Rainey is the, you stole my story. <laughs> so, uh-huh, so, totally. <laughs> so, yeah, it's Landon. Yeah. Well, and Mike, you were on the Lacey Story episode uh, with us, which, and I know you really liked that book a lot, didn't you? Yeah. You know, I in the end, I really did. It was a struggle to begin with. Um, but you know, it gets to a center and an emotional core, which I think is what really hits hard for Mm -hmm. King. You know, I think that's kind of why he considered it as his favorite. And once you get to that point and once you honestly, once you're drawn into their world and that intimacy, the, the, the the book really does envelope you. Uh, and so I, I, I dug that. And also, you know, when it comes to Mort Rainey, uh, to quote my boy, uh, Marty McFly, uh, from Back to Future Part Three, the second best of the trilogy, <laughs> he's an asshole. You know, like he's just who who gives a shit about this guy? He like kills his dog. Who kills their dog? Mm-hmm. You know, like other than Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> I you know I just I, I can't you know I can't can't go for anyone like that. Dogs are the best thing in the yeah. world. Um, I, I couldn't imagine anyone hurting you know them. So fuck this guy. Um, <laughs> so Scott for you. <laughs> so yeah, Scott landing all the way. Yeah, Scott for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Julie, what about you? And do you like Lacey's story? Nope. No. <laughs> oh shit. I'm upset. I sure don't. Um, but I, you know, the thing that I think is interesting about it is it's looking at what happens after a famous writer dies. Mm-hmm. What happens with all of their stuff? Because, like, you know, I think this is something that obviously the king's worried about. But like, people are just going to come th- pawn through it and they just want it. And it's going to be this obsessive thing. And like, how do you make sure that everything's taken care of? So it's, it feels like a, he's writing about, dying before he's died like this is what's going to happen afterwards so like that's an interesting point of view Mm -hmm. uh but i don't i don't care for this book i don't really care for secret window secret garden either so (laughs) we're just gonna go scott landon because he won a pulitzer and like there we go nice yeah and i agree and i talked a lot about uh, my feelings on Lacey's story in our episode i did enjoy that book a lot um scott landon's probably my least favorite part of that book but i don't like uh, Mort Rainey. So I am picking Scott Landon too. So it's a clean sweep there. 
And our last entry in the Sweet 16, we've got Bobby Anderson of the Tommyknockers. She, her bibliography includes Boxing the Compass, Hangtown, The Long Ride Back, Massacre Canyon, and eight more novels that I couldn't find on uh, Wiki Fandom. She writes westerns, and she has an awesome dog named Peter. And she finds a spaceship buried in the woods near her house in Haven, Maine, becomes extremely productive, and figures out a system to write novels telepathically, which sounds really cool. She kind of kickstarts the Maine apocalypse by finding this spaceship, though. And she is the only woman on this list. I wanted to uh, point that out also. She's played by the great Mark. Well, Wendy, kind of. Wendy, yeah. She's, well, okay, so she's the only woman in the tournament. Yes, because we do okay, have yeah. Wendy. And she is going up against spoilers for the Dark Tower. We've already covered it in the timeline, but just spoilers for the Dark Tower. She's going up against Stephen King himself of <laughs> Song of Susanna. So a little bit unfair, but I feel like Stephen King kind of earns a top seed in the tournament. Um, and Dan and Julia, you guys are, I think, more definitely bigger tower heads than Mike and I. So help me out a little bit with how uh, Stephen King factors into this story, because I can't remember exactly. I mean, he's everything in the story. He's uh, the creator of the world uh, that they actually get to go meet in real life. And you're getting these characters crossing over into reality. Um, and if Stephen King doesn't win this whole thing, I'm going to fucking riot. <laughs> <laughs> it would be sad to to lose your own um, tournament. Yeah. Dan, what about you? Uh, he, he might, though. We'll see, right? Um yeah, it's, and what Julia said about the Dark Tower, he's kind, of, he's kind of the unknowing architect of the world. And yeah, he describes the process very much like he describes it in, in Honor Writing, which saying it out loud sounds totally douchey, but he really makes it work in the Dark Tower yeah. and in Honor Writing. Like, oh, I, you know, I'm just the vessel. Like, these things just flow out of me. But I mean, he, A, I believe that about King. And also, he, it just, it works in the novel. Um, and so yeah. he kind of is informed about his role in all this. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I I want to pick Bobby because I know it's the only woman on here and like Bobby is yeah. great, but man, King putting himself in the dark tower. Cause we're talking about the dark tower version of Stephen King. It changes the game at such a level yeah. that I, I have to pick him because not just because it's metafictional, but a, he, he handles it well, which is impressive because we, we talked about this on all the episodes, how that is a device that could just so easily be insufferable and, and shitty. And I actually think it enriches not only the dark tower series, but his, bibliography as a whole like i've never really i mean there are other writers who have done that vonnegut's done it there there are writer Brady snell's has done it. there are writers who pop up in their own work but not in a way that ties everything together and kind of blows the whole scope of his fiction open the way king does so i have to pick him and i and i think he characterizes himself very accurately and it, it's kind of funny because when we have these fictional avatars for him like ben mears or marinville whoever it is once again, Mike Noonan, I feel like he's making this kind of, whether he knows it or not, this glorified version of himself. But when he's writing about himself, he's actually very critical and mm -hmm. um, very honest about his flaws and the kind of husband and father he was at the time and all that. So I, I think it's kind of this feat to behold the way he writes about himself in The Dark Tower. So it's got to be King. I think it's like, it's a why I'm a tower junkie, really. Mm. It's just like the the fact that that's happened was so mind-blowing to me. That I was like, this is this is the best. This is the best thing I've ever, like, this is so incredible that you've been waiting for like the Crimson King the whole time. And it's like, oh, but it's, it's, it's fucking the King. It's the King. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I have my little car necklace that I wear <laughs> around my neck at Aww. all times. 
it lives with me. And it's well, such a ballsy move too. Yeah. yeah. I, and I should say to give some praise to Bobby real quick. I really do like Bobby as a character and I like that he, he allows her to be flawed. I mean, she, her and Gardner just sort of leech off of each other until there's nothing left. And then, you know, they have to make a decision. And Hey, she's also kind of a dog killer in the Tommy knockers in a way, um, much like Martin Rainey. So I, I really like Bobby a lot. And I, I mean, she's a very sad character in the best way possible, but yeah, she's, Look, you, you come with the king, you better not miss, right? And uh, <laughs> that's true. Missed in this uh, bracket, that yeah. All hail the king. Yeah. yeah. Well, Mike, what about you? I know you and I are big Supernatural fans, and I don't want to spoil anything on that show, but there's a little bit of a connection with uh, Supernatural and King entering into the the. Yeah, thing. that's true. That is, is very very true. I, I think I have to go with King for all the reasons that you outlined. I mean, it, b- both of you, honestly, it's 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 hard to. Uh, to weigh in there, but I will say, oh God, Marge, like, what a babe. Yeah. Loved her in Species. Mm-hmm. Um, loved her in, I never watched CSI, but I remember thinking, like, I should be watching this because I love <laughs> William Peterson because <laughs> uh-huh. of Manhunter. And I've just always thought Marge Helgenberg was just, there's just something unique about her. And um, so I've always been interested in kind of anything, anytime she pops up. Um, but that's just not enough to win me. And I and also I just I've never read the Tommy Knockers, so it'd be unfair for me to to base it strictly on um, my attraction <laughs> to one, a Hollywood actress. Oh yeah. Well, um, I would never base any decisions on how hot I think the actor portraying. Oh yeah, no, character. not at all. Absolutely. In species, she's the agent, the with the one female agent who uh, her and yeah. Michael Madsen get on at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, she's great. Yeah, there's a lot of cross cutting, I think, between them going to the Bone Zone and then also Natasha Hendrickridge going to the Bone Zone with, I believe, Alfred Molina. Which yeah, is un- unfortunate. yeah, he did and some other it. people. I like species. Um, yeah, yeah, it's good. I mean, yeah, I love a movie. movie where a woman is just unabashedly trying to fuck. Oh yeah, you know, it's, it's almost like great. a, it's like yeah. a, yeah, it's got a Skinamax quality to it, but I like it. The, does but the effects yeah. are absolutely the effects are really yeah. Love it. Especially the second oh one. God, I remember seeing it, that when I was like 14 years old and thinking I was like, oh, oh, I can't believe I got in this movie. Like, <laughs> I, remember, you know, just I, mean, I, I like the second one just for how disgusting and like, un, it's oh, just it's got no shame that yeah. movie. I had the movie maniacs <laughs> for both those characters too. <laughs> Sam, because that was part of the first season. He was, the first season he was like for a while the only one yeah. you could find, I think, because no one wanted him. Pat, like no one wanted Patrick. Yeah, no, uh, no one wanted. <laughs> yeah. Like gun to my head right now, could not tell you the name of uh, the actor who played him. I, like, just I want to say I mean, he's gotten you know. into some trouble in real life. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, this is that doesn't matter. I, I'm I'm distracting <laughs> from the important argument. Let me look this up. Yeah. So yeah, King, King, <laughs> King it is. It is. Uh, All right. For, yeah. So he yeah. is our final entry into the Elite Eight. Wait, Jen. Who did All you, right. Who so, did, did you say King? Oh, yeah. I picked King. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Sorry, and okay. you know, not to. I just my least favorite genre is Westerns. It's oh. just no shade to any Westerns. Yeah. It's just not my thing. I can't, I, um, I would say that, but my second favorite author is Cormac McCarthy. So yeah, yeah. that's true. And, and like you know, maybe if I read more McCarthy, I would like him. More yeah, his stuff's that. almost like revisionist Western. It's not, it's different than uh it's not like Louis Lamar or something like yeah. that. Or Bobby Anderson, you know, <laughs> or Bobby Anderson's what I, I can't remember her book titles anymore, but yeah. It's a bunch of Western stuff. Um, yeah, she's great, though. All right, we are into the Elite Eight. All right, so, this yes, is awesome. I know. I'm so excited. Okay, so we've got, in the banger division, Gordy Lachance versus Thad Beaumont. And I got to ask, do y'all say Thad or Tad? I think Tad. Well, I don't know, because we have Tad in Cujo, and is that T-A-D? yeah. Yes, it's T-A-D, I yeah. think the H makes it a fat. I think so, that's what I've yeah, always said. So but weird. then, oh, because a fatty. But are they, they're both yeah. short for Thaddeus, though, right? 
I think so. Well, think? Tad is short for the tatter, I think. <laughs> tad- Tadley. Hadley. Tad- the Tadler. Tadarunsky. <laughs> Taddison. Um, all right. Who, Julia, who are you picking between Gordy Lachance and Thab Beaumont? Gordy. Gordy. Nice. Yeah. Mike, how about you? Gordy. Gordy. Dan? Yeah. Uh, Gordy. I, I mean, Gordy. Uh, and once again, love Thab, but yeah, there's no, there's no, come on. Yeah. Gordy's got that I'm gun throw- pointed at him. He's like, he <laughs> man. Okay, I was gonna give Thad a vote because I knew it's it was gonna be Gordy, but I mean, he stands up to fucking Kiefer Sutherland. Like that's pretty impressive. And although then in the he writes yeah. book, it's Chris though, right? So it's, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but it's still, yeah. it's still Gordy for me. It is. Yeah, the friendship in that is just so good. All right, so we got Gordy moving on to the final four. All right, and so. Our next matchup in the banger division. Bill Denbro versus George Stark. Do you think this is uh, freaking out Bill Denbro psychologically because it's the name of his dead little brother? Like is Pennywise oh, manipulating oh, this? Is Pennywise oh, manipulating shit. this? I, don't know. I think so. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I'm about to turn into a clown. Like you can see the <laughs> orange pom-poms like sprouting out of my ears. So maybe that was my master plan all along. Are you going to run really fast at him? Like in, <laughs> I am. Um, you know, the I'm going to suddenly turn into a CGI the, shark too and just... The great, the great Gary Dobberman. Uh, <laughs> hey, James there. McAvoy um, is hot though, so I'll allow it. Yeah. I, like, I like those uh, clowns too. I like, I like that effect. That's, that's cool. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, Dan's our, our eight chapter. I do like it, chapter two though. I like chapter. I, I I like parts of chapter two. It's the 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 strong jump scare shit that drives yeah. me nuts, and also some of the dialogue, but um, still. I don't think it's as awful as everyone thinks. <laughs> well, who are we picking here? Uh, Mike, who are you going to pick? Bill or George? Bill. Oh, Bill. It's Bill, Bill, Bill Dembro. Yeah. 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 This is going to be a really tough fucking next round yep. for this one. I, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Julia, who are you going to yeah. pick? Bill or George? Bill Denver, you bet your fur. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's hard to pick against Bill. And you know, I think I'm sorry, Dan. Who are you picking before I make our? Oh, official? it's Bill, and it's just it's, it's just depth versus comedy essentially. Because George, once again, George Stark is like the idiot. He's like the funny, violent guy. But Bill has so much going on, so it's, Bill's going to win every time. Yeah, and I will say, like I thought for a long time, I would think about what I would ask Stephen King if I ever actually met him. And one of the questions is, what writer do you think you? S- is most like you, you know, and I imagine this conversation and the older I get, the more I read about him, I think he would say they're all kind of me, you know, but I think Bill might be the closest King avatar just as a whole that we have. Um, Other than himself who actually shows up that we just talked about. All right. So we are bopping over to the West. All right. This is going to be a tough round. But only one can emerge, the victor. We've got Paul Sheldon versus Jack Torrance. Mike? Um, I mean, if we're going it strictly by writers, it's got to be Paul Sheldon. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, Jack is kind of a son of a bitch and, um, you know, doesn't really focus too much on yeah, writing. That's true. Yeah, hasn't really <laughs> done much kinda, yeah. of it. Yeah, it's kind of kind of tough. Where it's you know Paul Sheldon, arguably one of the more successful in King's Dominion. So yeah, it's got to be Julia. Paul. Are you picking Paul too? I am. Sweet, Dan. What about you? Ah oh, man, <laughs> it's a hard one. I know, it's because tough, I, it's, it's how much? Yeah. I mean, because the criteria covers all of it, right? It's not just the writing ability. It's also yeah how much we get to know about them. And Jack is such a a rich character and I just feel him so much more viscerally than I do Paul. Paul for me is more 
my love of Paul almost feels a little bit more academic than Jack's, mm. which is more. I'm going to go Jack. I'm going to throw a little off Reg nice. the gears. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah, and this is a tough one for me, too. We might have to pull out the old uh, quarter. Because if I think about who I love as a character more, I think it's Jack. But if yeah. I think about yeah. who I love as a writer more, it's probably Paul. But they're both like, they both deal with addiction, which is a, what I mm-hmm. love so much about both of their books. But I think I got to, I think I got to give it to Paul just because yeah. I mean he does all that shit with like one one foot like one thumb like just thinking about and he makes a story about bees interesting you know <laughs> so all right so Paul Sheldon just won a heartbreaker knocked out Jack Torrance but you know he he's still living on up on the the platform all right and you know he's always got Henry Thomas so he, he's gonna be okay <laughs> All right, so this is going to be an interesting battle, too. We've got uh, Scott Landon versus Stephen King. And I also want to say, like, Stephen King, the writer in the Dark Tower series. So yeah. Scott Landon versus oh. Stephen King, which is, I, I feel like this might actually break Stephen King's heart to have to make this choice, you know? Um, Julia, yeah. who are you picking? If any of you don't <laughs> pick Stephen King... I will judge you <laughs> so hard. <laughs> I'm just letting you know it will forever be in my mind when I think of you. <laughs> You're going to get us George Stark style. All right. So, oh my goodness. So, Stephen King is your pick. Dan, what about yeah. you? Yeah, Stephen King. And once again, I love Scott Landon, but also this is, and I know King is technically an avatar for King because um, that's this fictionalized version of himself, but he's closer to the real thing. It would be weird to give the, proxy the the vote over the real thing if that makes sense and also we forget king eventually uh gets to see himself well it's not technically him i was gonna say there's three stephen kings at the end of the dark tower but it's like a creature that's pertaining to me it doesn't matter stephen king for me (laughs) nice mike what about you um <laughs> really? <laughs> I think it's got yeah, it's King. I, I just think of like in terms of like accomplishments in the world, because like the King we see in 77 in Song of Susanna is not very I mean, is on the cusp of success, mm-hmm. right? Um, which is why we did that archives episode, which look, if you're listening to this, you're a patron, right. so check it out. Um yeah, it was fun. You know, it's we go all into why he goes into 77 because he really was on the crossroads of his life. At least that's what we guesstimate. Um, so you could make the argument that like Scott is more successful than this version of Stephen King. Although I think it, Dark Tower 7, they go into the future of Stephen King, right? I can't remember. It's been it's been so long since I've remember. read the book. But I mean, mean like they go up to now, the, yeah, but, to um, the uh, car accident and everything. Yeah, because yeah, he dies. OK, in the so then he's right? at that point. No, yeah, no, no, so Jake. Yeah, um, so at that point, Jake he saves no. him. There's the like, there's the obituary at the end of Song of Suzanne. It's like, oh, he died, but then they switch yeah. it. They oh, change. They saved it. That's right. Okay, it's got to be King. I mean, it's it's fair. There'll there'll be a tougher fight for King. That's true. Up, right? Yeah, it's so, it's you know, you know yeah. he he's not necessarily the hands down winner, but I'm gonna give it to him too. Although I do really, if I was choosing between Lisey and Stephen King or Lisey's story in general. And Stephen King, it might be a little bit tougher, but like I said, Scott Landon wait, is probably wait, wait, let me, hold up. You would rank Lisey's story over the Dark Tower? Yeah, I, I'm Whoa. not a big Dark Tower head, you know. Mm. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I do, I like the Dark Tower. The Dark, I love um, the second one, the Drawing of the Three. 
never been more surprised by a book. But I'm just like Mike and I, we're just not the biggest tower heads. You know? Yeah. Okay. Because I like I like a lot of the the elements of it, but I I do think that those that last book is just it's ah, I love I like the ending. I love the ending. I love the ending. I love the ending. Don't get me wrong. I love and the I will ending. say I think um, I appreciate the Dark Tower more than I enjoy it. You know. Like yeah, it is a huge accomplishment. Yeah, sorry, sorry I didn't mean to jump in. But No, that's cool. That's cool. Um All okay, right. Okay, so that that's that's I guess King, King wins, wins this, this one. one. Yeah. Yep, that's our final four. We've got them set. All right. I, I so want him to listen to this episode and we just see him at home with headphones like, hey. <laughs> just like laughing <laughs> I know, popcorn like, full yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> he's like he's like made a a bet on DraftKings. <laughs> They're all like, What the fuck are you talking about? Like some some Stephen King final <laughs> he's four. He's like, four, Man, busted um, my bracket on Mike Noonan. Um <laughs> yeah. all right. Well, we've got a very interesting final four. Um We've got, okay, so our final for the banger division, which is interesting because I feel like this is essentially two different versions of the same character, you know? We've yes. got Gordy Lachance yes. from The Body, and we've got Bill Denbro from It. And I feel like as much as I love both of those stories, you know, The Body is in a lot of ways a prototype for It. You know, oh, there's yeah. a lot this of similarities. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, I know. Well, who who are we picking? Dan, I'm putting you on the spot. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I want it to be Gordy, but here's the thing. And this is the case with different seasons as a book in general. I feel like I'm conflating it with the movie so much, which is fair, right? It, it is the source mm-hmm. material, but I think yeah. when we're getting down to the nitty gritty, I just have to look at the book on its own merit, right? And I yeah. And if I reread the book, I'm sure it is maybe a little bit less rich without Will Wheaton um river phoenix and everyone tied to it right like like shawshank the movie feels so much more in depth to me than yeah the rita hayworth and the shawshank redemption does so as much as it pains me because i love gordy i love the actual writing we get to see from him i it's bill we just get so much more time with him and he i mean and and we get bill as gordy essentially as a little kid right like a a brother who dies and he yeah and then we get to see him as an adult we get to see gordy a little bit as an adult in the body but um it's just the scope the the scope of it it just allows him to go to so many more places so it's it's bill for me i I, that's like a very hard thing to say because i love gordy but it's bill yeah julia what about you I mean, there's no really no characters that have my heart as hard as the losers do, yeah. right? So this is something that's been with me since I was 11. And especially, you know, with with Bill, uh, you know, they paint him as someone who has this magical leadership quality, right? Mm-hmm. And you have Bev who has this all, you know, they all have these kind of like magical almost powers. And I think they really paint Bill that way. Um, and I really love that he's going into horror and you know they keep you know as king says i keep asking like why would you get into horror why and he just doesn't even remember but it's something that's just inside of him that he has to get out and i think it's kind of a cathartic thing that really helps him get over everything that happened to him when he was younger that even though he doesn't remember it uh so denboro for the win denboro nice mike what about you oh it's bill i mean if you think about it it's it's exactly um, what Kaffir was saying, like with just the prototype element of it, I mean, or just the idea that it was like the, the the formation of it, and also thinking of Stand by Me, conflating a lot of my my feelings, and it does, it has. I mean, because like you, Kaffir, I mean, Stand by Me is my favorite Stephen King adaptation, um, and I I just I love it to death, and I think that's certainly one of the influences on it for me on those earlier choices. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, when you when I look at the two characters, it is a lot like with like when you think of um, you know, like Whiplash being a short film, and then you get Whiplash, the feature film that comes yeah. out of that, and the Bill Dembro is the feature film of it. Like it's the it's the long version of it, so it's got to be Bill. Yeah. yeah, you get this. It's 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 essentially cut from the same cloth, which is un- which is interesting. Which is honestly the other side of this th- this coin is almost a similar conundrum mm-hmm. but um nothing is def- definite and as close as this one yeah. so good old bill yeah i'm gonna pick bill too um i've been waiting for years to get revenge on gordy for making me read about all that puke so there's my <laughs> my final range no there's i'm kidding i do and i love both of these characters but yeah bill it feels like the more evolved version um and i just love it so much and i just love you know the losers and yeah, Julia, like you said, nobody has my heart like them. And so, yeah, Bill is our winner there. So he has made it to the final. And our last final match up from the Boulder Division. I hope all those words I just said are actual words that make sense. But uh, we got Paul Sheldon versus Stephen King. This is a very tough decision for me. Um, Mike, who are you picking? Uh, I'm going to go Paul Sheldon. Yeah. I, I think Paul is, is just a, a more well-rounded character when you actually think about what's in the mm-hmm. texts. Uh, you know, he's certainly one of the more iconic characters. Obviously, Annie Wilkes takes the cake in that in that novel. Yeah. Uh, but Paul Sheldon is the protagonist and, and being just solely in his mind. It's a twofer the entire way. And for us to be able to be in his mind this entire time and, and dealing with this, it's, you really get to know mm-hmm. the guy. Um Whereas, you know, King's the writer of all these books. So, you know, yes, he is a character. We all know him as who he is because we've dedicated six, seven years of our lives to this. But he still is like a cursory character in the the, the Dark Tower. So it's like when I think about the meat of it all, um, and uh, let's just say I'm an omnivore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I like my I like my veggies, but I like mm-hmm. my meat. Uh, I need the I need the meat of uh, Paul Sheldon here. So I'm going to take his leg and I'm going to chew on it. <laughs> nice um, uh, with this with this vote, Julia. Yeah. I feel like I know who you're going to pick in this one. I, I, I yes, you do, and <laughs> and I will say you know, long live the king. But there also I think the thing that I like about him as a character is it's really messing with how you think of story Mm -hmm. right and it's something when they meet when eddie and roland meet him he knows who roland is but he doesn't know who eddie is Mm -hmm. right so it's Mm -hmm. something that you he's created one and now he's creating one because he's already met him and so he in real life so it becomes this what is real and what is not real which is part of the fun of this series Mm -hmm. but to have him be so flabbergasted that it's so they, you know, he's now found out how much of the universe hinges on him mm-hmm. and hinges on his writing and the weight of having to make this wonderful. And how does he fulfill everybody's uh, dreams of it? But then he also talks about, you know, how much it pains him to make these choices. Yeah. That he doesn't want to kill these characters, but he's he feels like he has to do it. So you know, you have the song of the turtle, which I think is the overlying arc of these entire all of his works. And so if he's feeling this song of this turtle to make this master work, I think that's an incredible way to have you look at the writer inside his own story. Yeah, and it is so impressive how he manages to pull it off. You know. Dan, what about you? I know you're a big tower head. It's when it's this neck and neck, I feel like I have to start pulling out even more specific criteria, right? Because I love both these characters so much. 
and this is what I'm going off of. I, when I'm just thinking about the scene that lands with me the most between the two of them, it is spoiler alert in the dark tower after Jake has sacrificed himself to save Stephen King from the van accident. He, Stephen King still gets hit, but he doesn't, he doesn't die. Like they think he's going to while Roland is burying him. King is with, who's the guy who hit him? Brian. Um, I forget his last. Oh, I can't remember. Uh, whoever that, whoever that guy was in real life, they're yeah. sitting there and he's, kind of just like trying to make small talk about Stephen King's books. And it's like this weird scene because King is on the ground really hurt. And he asks him about Cujo and kid the, about the book versus the movie. And and then King says, Oh, the kid died in the book and then he passes out. And that obviously parallels what's going on with Jake in the woods. And that scene just really hits me. And then when I just think of them two going against each other, Paul Sheldon and King right now, that's just the scene I keep replaying in my head. And I think that's such a, cool way to write himself um into the novel so um that might be silly criteria but hey i gotta get really specific when we're at this level so king so you're picking king all right well uh, my heart really <laughs> wants to go with paul because i just love that book so much i think watching him struggle with addiction and using the creative outlet to deal with this awful predicament that he is in is just means a lot to me but i also think you know that is like we are watching king do that in the dark tower you know he's doing it in real time because he is also trying to deal with this accident that almost killed him and that maybe he wouldn't have ever gotten to the tower and i think it is just it, it speaks to what a genius I think he is. And I don't use that word lightly. Like I think anybody who can write one, just this amount of text, but also do something like write himself into his own epic story in a way that doesn't make us all roll our eyes. Like I think, I don't know. I also don't want it to come down to a coin toss. I don't know, but we haven't done too. it yet. So I was going to say, we, so, we haven't done it. This could be, yeah, this I is say, a perfect say, time. Right. You, know who, you know who should decide? Kosh. Yeah, Kosh should decide. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go Paul. Okay. <laughs> oh, I All right, love so this. We're doing I love a, I'm yeah. turning my light on. <laughs> well, okay. All right. Who's head? I feel like we kind of got to give Paul heads because he, he only has one foot now. So Paul's going <laughs> to be right. heads and King is going to be tails. All right, let's see. Okay. Ka is a wheel and a quarter. So Paul Sheldon versus Stephen King. Paul, did we say Paul's heads? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Yes. Yeah. All right. Dun, 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 drum roll. It is heads. Ah, uh-huh, Paul. It wins. is Paul oh, Sheldon. I'm sorry, King. I'm sorry. Hey, Ka oh, is a wheel. He came, he was he close, was. you know? It was, yeah. It's, it breaks my heart. I know, exactly. Can't fight City Hall. But Julie, uh, although I, this is in a way... In a way, maybe this is better because then we didn't fight it out like it, you know, it was out of our control. So that's true. That's yeah. True. And he didn't lose. It was it was Ka. It was Ka. And Ka says, stand aside and let me work. That's true. Go, okay. Yeah. All right. Now I've got it. I thrive in darkness. <laughs> I love this. I love this idea. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So our final matchup. Da, 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 da. I don't want to get sued by whoever did da, 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 final da, da, da. count. <laughs> yeah. Europe, um, Europe does it right here. 
Is it? Oh, is it Europe? It's, it's, Europe's a big yeah. listener of, of Stephen King <laughs> podcasts that I hear. Yeah. So well, they're going to be on your ass. Oh, man. You're like, those, those idiot blokes <laughs> took us I, think, I, think I don't even know if they're British. No. British no. I don't know. Was that like uh, Wonderwall? <laughs> those blokes. <laughs> those idiot blokes. Their, uh, Europe um, is uh, Swedish. Yeah, Swedish. <laughs> ah, Swedish. All right. Hey, maybe they know uh, the scars cards. Um, sorry, that was it's probably not appropriate. It's always on your mind. It really is. It's very close to the surface all the time. blokes. Boy, losers club. Bunch of losers taking our song. Um, All right. Our final, final, final. Paul Sheldon versus Bill Dembro. This is a tough, tough uh, competition for me, but only one. There can be only one. So, uh, Julia, who are you picking? Bill or Paul? He thrusts his fists against the posts <laughs> and still insists he sees the ghost. Nice. All right. So that is Bill, for the record, if you haven't read it. And if you haven't read it, read it, because it's so good. Um, Dan, who are you picking? It's Bill. And I will say, it would have been a harder choice, I think, had King made it to the final round. But mm. um, and yeah. uh, Once again, I like it, the book, better. Um, I would probably enjoy Bill's novels more than I would enjoy Paul's novels. And as much as I love Paul, I've said it, I feel more of a distance from him than I do to Bill. And we get to see Bill as a kid. Mm-hmm. And we, I think all of us here probably read it as either as a kid or closer to being a kid than to being people in their thirties. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think it was just baked into the DNA that I was always going to relate to him a little bit more. Um, yeah. It's Bill. Bill. All right, Mike, what about you? Yeah, it's uh, it's Bill. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and for all the reasons you know, everyone just said, I mean, it, it, when I, th- and it ultimately comes down to the fact that like, I would rather read Bill's work than, you know, the misery series. Cause it's just, is not my forte. And honestly, the chapters about misery were not fun <laughs> for me. I, I just was kind of like, all right, let's get yeah. going. Give me back to, to, you know, to the room. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I, but, but also just when you think about like the classic King archetype, which is ultimately what we've been doing tonight, like, Bill is one of the first to come yeah. to mind and honestly probably the most well-rounded out of this archetypes like one of the biggest criticisms we always have is that like some of the writers are too bloated or um you know too precious or too over the top or um too underwritten and that's those are all qualities that I would never ascribe to Bill Dembro mm-hmm. like he's just he's very honest he's very real and I think that coming at a time so this is you know this is published in 86 and one of the things I talk at great lengths about in the history of it is that this is coming at uh, also another crossroads for King where he was pretty much done with horror. Like he'd, you know, he'd come after the, you know, it's, he's coming off the eighties where he was the, um, you know, the blockbuster King. He's the, 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 the boogeyman that we know and love. Like he's literally the Vincent Price of American literature. Like, um, you know, they all know him. He's in the American Express ads. I mean, I guess that's later in the 90s, but still, like, you know him, Stephen King, horror. And, you know, he gets very self-loathing about it. He talks about how, you know, all he writes is like hamburger and french fries, mm-hmm. like McDonald's and stuff. And which you're wrong. You're, <laughs> that, and mm-hmm. I think he pretty much agree with that now. But um, so I think it's interesting that Bill is such, uh, it comes from that mentality and i think there's an honesty that that speaks to that that source um of where the roots of where you know the origins of where he comes from uh so i think it's fitting that you know with bill bill here uh as a vote so um yeah yeah, that's that's what i'm gonna certainly go with well i'm gonna pick paul it's i'm not gonna sway the tides 
Um, nice. And that's part of the reason I am picking Paul because mm-hmm. I am not the deciding vote. Um, and I, I love Paul so much. I love like if I had to pick between Misery and It, I would pick Misery. I think that book just mm. there. I got a real strong personal connection to it. I love it. Um, I love a good female villain also. Um, yeah. But I just love um, one of my f- well. Technically, Pennywise is a female. Villain. That's true. That's good true. Point. Yes, because she does have some eggs. Um, I also, yeah, love a good female villain in that one, too. So, hey, two female killers. Look at that. Uh, Ka is a wheel. Um, but I think one of <laughs> one of the things that I love the most about this podcast and about Stephen King in general is figuring out where his head is at when he's writing these books and knowing where he was when he wrote Misery and that being a place that I've been myself just trying to figure out how to get out of this addiction that is trying to take over your life. It just, it, I, he will always have my heart. Um, I do also love Bill Dembro. Um, although he's not my favorite loser. Um, and no, you know, we've either. all talked no. about, I think on other podcasts, we've talked about what our favorite losers are. So I'm going to pick Paul Sheldon, but Bill Dimbro is our winner. He came out on top. Da-na-na-na. I think it, it kind of yeah. was always meant to be, you know, if, if, uh, if you made your bracket and Bill was your winner, you know, that was probably do some, you think, not super uh, steep odds. Do you think John Shooter is going to show up at any of our doors and be like, I heard your little <laughs> episode. Why didn't you pick me? Well, you stole my <laughs> stole, bracket. Stole my bracket. <laughs> you stole my <laughs> vote. Um, uh, yeah. What if someone in like had like Jim Gardner? I know. Or, uh, or like, not Jim Gardner, but, but it's like like Mike Noonan or um yeah, like Mort Rainey. If someone had Mort Rainey as like they're like, oh, the, Mort Mort's yeah. gonna win. Like, are you kidding me? He's gonna win. Like, like, gonna, right. Gonna hey, if you like, did, let us yeah, know. Like, like, come on. <laughs> right. This 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 borderline short story novella from Four Past Midnight is gonna you know careen past like this <laughs> it's, iconic. It's some like it's some like working class um, dude in Queens. He's making his wife like listen with him. Like, oh, it's, it's gonna be more. Come on, you're gonna see it tonight. The losers are right. not gonna let me down. He's like chain smoking there. Uh, there's like on, like like throwing the cigarettes on a linoleum floor and just like it's, you know uh, it's uh, all, you want to you want another drink. It's like you better make it's it. It's all coming. Uh, it's make it's it coming double. through one of those like um, hand radios that old guys listen to baseball on, just like at the yeah. Kitchen table, like the round kitchen table, and it's like Susie. Yeah, and he immediately unsubscribes uh, from my Patreon now because you know his his more didn't yeah, win. He's wearing he's wearing a, a polo shirt that has like the Jets logo right. on it. Um, uh, well, hey, and if you a hoagie. if you disagree with any yeah. of our picks, let us know because I would love to to hear. Um, you know, if you had King going all the way, your coin toss ended differently. Um, but yeah, huge congrats to our winner, Bill Dembro. Um, gonna go look for some Gatorade to pour on someone, probably whoever, whatever writer shows up at my door to complain. Um, also huge Martin. thankful thank you to our panel, Julia, Mike, Dan. Thank you so much. Um, we made some tough calls, but I think we did these writers proud, and I look forward to them collaborating on an absolutely scathing memoir about this whole experience being pitted against each other. Um, but before we go, Julia, where can listeners find you and what do you have coming up? So I'm on uh, all of the interwebs at Julia C. Marchesi. So I have two podcasts, one called Horror Movie Survival Guide, which we yeah. talk about how you survive horror movies, and one called Jodorowsky, which is all about the uh, work of Alejandro Jodorowsky. 
Um, and then I have my dollar baby of I Know What You Need that is uh, finished, but is waiting for film festivals in consideration. And there's the long wait. Sweet. And we'll see what Can't happens. <laughs> nice. Uh, Dan, uh, what's coming up for Halloweenies? I hear some Evil Dead may finally be rising. Yeah. So the New York, uh, hey, New York's always got to be fashionably late. Am I right? They Their <laughs> press screening is unfortunately not till next week. So I have not seen it. It wasn't on the episode because the movie was not screened up here in time. But that was the episode drop in Nashville like? either. So. That won't go until the 21st. So gotcha. it's like next week. So, um, yeah. So I, I, I haven't asked I'm, on purpose. We haven't talked about evil dead so yeah we're, we'll have the episode about evil dead rise and we're back on the chucky train um it feels like we've been off the chucky train for a while because scream came out for yeah, a very long time Scream came out yeah. then new evil dead yeah. so um yeah but so I, I don't know how mike feel i don't know how anyone feels about it um i don't know how i'm gonna nice. feel about it we'll we'll see um but yeah so that's what's coming up on halloweenies um you can find me on instagram at dw caffrey i don't think i have anything to plug at the moment but uh I hopefully will in the next uh, month or so. There's a, uh, I have a play going on in, in Utah. We just, they just haven't announced details yet. So I'll let people know as soon as I know about it. Oh, cool. Well, and Mike, how do you feel about Evil Dead Rise? Did you like it? I'm kidding. Yeah, Don't answer that. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go spoil it all right, right now. Um, yeah, no, uh, you know, I, I thought it was really cool when um, all the characters melted. Ooh. And, um, Spoiler yeah, alert. No, that's, I'm thinking about the first one. Um, but uh, no, I... Um, it's a. Uh, you'll find out. You'll find out. It's 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 actually not a very long episode. Really so interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it's not a very long episode. No, no. It's one of our one of our shorter uh, episodes, which is to be fair, still t- over two hours. <laughs> That's true, so yeah, yeah. you know, we do like our long <laughs> episodes. Classic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And what's coming um, up for the rest of the Losers Club? Well, we've got a pretty uh, busy month if you love Bachman. <laughs> so we've got the Dark Half commentary track that's going to be dropping in the main feed tomorrow uh, or to this Friday, uh, basically to celebrate the 30th anniversary of George A. Romero's adaptation. Uh, I believe that movie's on Tubi, but if you're going to play our commentary, I don't think Tubi's going to work because we didn't talk over the commercials. So you're just going to have us like talking about shit that's happening while a fucking O'Tesla commercial is going to be playing or something. Um, so maybe rent it on Amazon or something like that. But yeah, fun commentary. Um, and then we also got the, you know, the Blaze being Blaze book episode, which you all recorded think, last night, right? How long uh, did that pretty go? Pretty long. It was a three hour one, right? About three hours, yeah. yeah. And a, a full yeah. 30 minutes of that is just them saying Blaze be a Blaze <laughs> over and so over again. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, I, I already know from like some of the editing that Kyle's going to be doing based on some of the notes that Randall oh, yeah. gave, it's going to be a fun, <laughs> really fun uh, productive uh, production uh, that they're going to put together. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, there's some some fun notes that that, that Randall provided. So that, then we have um, our first primer. We're going to be trying to do some more primers um, you know, whether it's archetypes in King's Dominion, uh, certain tropes, uh, what have you. But the first one uh, is going to be about Richard Bachman, because that's what we're talking about this the, this month. So Richard Bachman, we're going to go all into to basically you'll listen to it. You'll you'll know everything there is to know about Bachman, which is going to be kind of nice because, you know, we're going to be going into a ranking of all the Bachman books by the end that's of the right. month. Ooh. I wish I could be a part of it. Uh, this is my last episode of the month. Um, but I, I wanted to be a part of the, the back and books when I'm out, uh, for the next few weeks. You can send but, your thoughts um, in spirit. We can. Yeah. I'll send my thoughts. Cause the, honestly, like I, I do find them very enjoyable. Yeah. Um, I think like, I love thinner. Like I think thinner is such a fucking fun book mm. to read. I would reread that over and over again. Um, but, uh, yeah, I st- but I, to be fair, I never finished road work and I, I, I thought, 
for me, I thought it was it was I had I had struggles with with Blaze. Um, I'll put it that <laughs> oh, way. Man. Long so, walk for life. Love long long walk. walk. Love the long walk. I'm about God to re-listen to it. Good. I'm excited. Yeah. I want to get that animated. There's, so there's a book now that someone I've been seeing it pop up on Instagram a lot, where someone did animations Ooh. for it, and they look a lot like Norman Rockwell uh, portraits, Ooh. and they look fucking awesome. Except I think it's like 150. dollars I guess it's cheaper than the fucking shining book that's out there that's like $1,500 which I almost charged <laughs> a credit card a couple of weeks ago because I was like it's going to be for the right. pod and it was just like no I can't do this this is nuts this is like a this is yeah. rent um, but yeah uh, so lots of Bachman um, and it's going to be all there and uh, yeah I mean in the Patreon for here in the Barons uh, you know you're going to get the early access for Blaze and that primer is specific to the yep. Patreon so it's Bachman yeah. month all right yeah. yeah, the last one, which is surprising me, it, it kind of crept up on us. Like when we were putting together the schedule, it was kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, for now, we'll see. You know, yeah, I don't think he does anymore. What, I, I really. What don't. if Holly is by Bachman? Yeah, it, and that's part yeah, of what right? we talked about on the episode. It, it, I think Blaze is a good final Bachman book. Um, but yeah, yeah, you can, and you're going to be able to get that episode early. So uh, it's probably already available by the time you're listening to this on Patreon. Oh, absolutely. Um, and yeah. yeah, so that's going to conclude our first ever Losers Club Madness episode or official madness. Because as I was typing that, I was like, we bring a lot of madness to a lot of episodes. We so, do. you know, Um and you're already supporting us by being a part of the Patreon. So thank you. But if you haven't already, please make sure to give us some bright, red Pennywise clown noses in the form of an iTunes uh, rate and review. And until next time, we will see you over long days and and pleasant pleasant nights. I got some hot friends. God, I got some hot friends. I got some hot friends. God, I got some hot This is the end of our show, for now. We hope you enjoyed this production. If you like our programming, consider searching for other bloody disgusting podcasts, such as Creepy, Horror Queers, The Boo Crew, SCP Archives, Nightlight, Margaret's Garden, and more.